Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Iron Cannon Podcast, your home on the Star Wars Underworld Podcast Network for in-depth discussion on the lore, the High Republic, and the whole canon of the galaxy far, far away. My name is Matthew Neugebauer, and I'm coming to you from the Underworld North Studios here in Toronto. I'm joined across the continent by your friend and mine, Mr. Joel Davis. Joel, how are you doing this week? I am doing well. I'm doing good. Glad to be have the old team back and back to it. Right on, right on. Uh, yeah, we're, this week we are looking back on the stellar announcements at the uh, course. I mean, New York Comic Con 2023. Uh, I, I still miss it. I'm still in the con withdrawal. Uh, I'll recap all the panels that I end up going to, some conversations, and then give a rundown on that comic tastic Lucasfilm publishing panel specifically. Uh, yeah, and again, I was definitely at New York Comic Con. We'll do the plugs first and then. Do a little bit more uh, housekeeping out of the way. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and threads mm-hmm. at Iron Cannon Pod, E Y E O N C A N O N P O D. That's how you spell that. Um, also, just a bit of a self plug. You can uh, see all my, uh, the three near Comic Con, four near Comic Con videos uh, I did with Chris Abbott and Anna Enriquez. And uh, yeah, just folks I met there. You can see, I'll check out. I, I have still have to post my, uh, my, my con show con photos on on my personal instagram but yeah check it right here on the underworld channel uh just my different coverage and yeah and joel thanks for holding down the fort last week with uh with red leader how was that oh that was fun that was nice to do a legends look back yeah. you know really look back at the paper can we did tales of the jedi golden age of the sis and i hope everyone who listened to enjoyed it. it was quite the fun conversation yeah that was good i should say i made it my kind of grail con project to actually find all those comics and so i finally i got all the single issues of that so i actually have to read them to break them out and read them hopefully not uh ruin them <laughs> but anyway speaking of comic books speaking of comic books uh every thursday at 12 15 also speaking of chris abbott uh <laughs> every thursday at 12 15 eastern time 9 15 a.m pacific uh chris and i recap all the star wars comics that came out the day before uh, we we actually were able to do that on Thursday uh, last, th- or yeah, well, obviously yeah, this past Thursday here, right here, but uh, Thursday before at the con, we were able to do that. And then, yeah, this coming Thursday, 12, 15, uh, I got to look up which, which comics are coming out, but yeah, we'll definitely get to that. Grab your lunch, grab your comics. Uh, and, and yeah, talking about so the re- reviewing, you know, a, a different kind of thing, different kind of podcast than what we do here. Um, actual this is the story this is what we think about it etc etc uh a few more uh yeah definitely yeah so yeah i definitely uh got some notes there in terms of i ha- i haven't uh started i haven't read shadow of starlight yet so i need to uh because i need to catch up too so anyway um on that note uh, a few more plugs yeah this is star wars Underworld youtube channel here we got YouTube memberships, uh, got super chats, and of course we got the Discord. Uh, Joel, go ahead with talking about the Discord server. Yes, we have the Star Wars Underworld Discord server where you can talk about all things Star Wars all the time and more. Uh, this Friday, yeah, this Friday, um, at six at six p.m. Um, Pacific, uh, nine p.m. Eastern, we're gonna be doing something a little special for movie night. We're gonna be watching. The Phineas and Ferb Star Wars special that they premiered, I think it was before the sellout, um, like in the 2010s. So check that out. That's a lot of fun. Um, Phineas and Ferb and Star Wars, odd combination. I wonder how many people listening know what Phineas and Ferb is, but I think we will have lots of fun. We also do game nights as well, uh, which will probably be coming back uh, the week after next. 
Yes. No, no. I thought you were going to check something there. Uh, also, are the Thursday night hangouts still happening? or? Um, they have. Well, we had a Thursday night hangout last week. Okay. Um, we might alternate uh, between this and movie nights for as long as we have to. Yeah. And I mean, the uh the 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 writer the actors guild and and the the evil empires of uh production companies they are meeting this week so who knows who Fingers knows what's going to happen out of that yeah um that's you know we thought they'd be meeting two weeks ago we thought something would come out of it before new york comic-con but it didn't so uh yeah i couldn't you know they, yeah like, as i said they, they didn't <coughs> able to, as i was able to say you know mcgregor he talked about his cardigans he talked about uh his uh his coffee he talked about his motorcycles he couldn't talk about star wars that's fair i i get that but uh it meant that new york comic-con really focused on as it usually does anyway focused on novels and comics and uh paper canon generally so yeah but we'll get into all of that in a bit uh first off this week in star wars uh joel I'll let you uh yeah take it away what, what's uh yeah. what you no think about new york comic con and all the stuff and as we enter 2024 yeah i get the feeling that we're nearing the end of an era i mean i'm not saying like star wars is gonna stop anytime soon but you know it's like i feel like the era of star wars that i would say started around 2020 with the um all the the streaming shows and obviously in with screen can and all the paper stuff with higher public I feel like we're nearing the final stretch. Mm-hmm. You know, we're running out of new shows that were, were kind of announced for the streaming shows. You know, Acolytes and the Skeleton Crew were coming. Um, and then on Paper Can side, we, we got like, what, two more years of High Republic for, say, three, my guess. Um, and then, then what? What? What is, what is it? I feel like the two kind of major things that sort of dominated this little 2020 to, to present are kind of nearing their final stretches and sort of like the future now all live mysterious and and whatnot so you know it just it's just something i think about and sort of we continue it's like the two kind of big things are coming to an end not i mean all of the stuff so good but not that i think we're going to stop getting streaming shows or even pirate public yeah. books i'm just saying the kind of the the main waves are kind of coming to an yeah. end well i mean as and as we're going to talk about in in a later on in the show the third thing so it's, it's three things it's high republic it's streaming series you know this this era whatever whatever it's called and then also the 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 way between em- comics between empire and return of the jedi those are coming to an end an imminent end too so uh hopefully <coughs> probably by next year so yeah that's a definitely a good point um yeah i mean it might not feel that way though. I you know, there's going to always be standalone novels. Uh, you can't quite see it. Let's see here if I can show you that. Oh picture. yeah, I mean, oh, you know, see. Living Force. Oh yeah. Any standalone novels? There's going to be, you know, comic series coming out. But yeah, it's certainly the the big, <laughs> long term planned events. Uh, those are those are coming to a close, and it is. This goes goes to show. Here, I mean, one of the things that goes to show is is how important Charles Soule is to, to Star Wars. <laughs> uh, in terms of the two of those things, he's he's had a major say in, and yeah, it it's true. And so we don't, and we don't know what's next. Again, the the strike has been affecting things. They've put so much emphasis on High Republic. We'll probably hear about something, maybe next year. Yeah. Uh, in terms of you know, in terms of what what's the next? If there's going to be a next big swing for publishing i mean they, i can see them taking a break uh 
a little bit in terms of a big swing for publishing. Probably uh, needed too. Like just yeah. let's have some more one shot. Maybe a, maybe a couple trilogies of book. We haven't done that in forever. That's in That's Alphabet Squadron. Too. Yeah, uh, you know, like. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah, that'll, that's true. I mean, that's, I mean, that's nice. Again, that's a nice feast mm -hmm. to say how, how spoiled we are on the paper side, at least that them taking a break mm -hmm. is having like two or three novels come out <laughs> as opposed mm -hmm. to, or, or, you know, maybe one or two and then a YA and still always every month, there's still going to be at least one Star Wars comic. So that, that goes to show you, I mean, how well, how well, again the paper side is doing but yeah it's a good point um the the energy they they need to to take a rest there i guess um if any any further thoughts on that one nope i'm just you know when this i'm curious you know what the next epoch is i mean i'll just say i feel like celebration kind of hinted at what might to come of pre-strike mm -hmm. and you know how scheduling yeah. obviously more whether or not they stick with it, it's a little more just that going to be delayed by like a year or so. But you know what I mean? Sort of like, mm -hmm. I kind of feel like I might know what the next kind of epoch is and what kind of, but you know, I don't know what the details will be and like how. Well, what, like, speculate, go ahead. What, what do you think? Oh, yeah, no, I mean, the Ray New Jedi Order movie yeah. is kind of the first big kickoff. It's yeah. like if, if films want to make a big triumphant return, and mm -hmm. then, you know, maybe we'll have more tie in novels to a movie, kind of a series. They do, I think they do tie hey, novels to movies. <laughs> I know. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not saying, oh, they're not going to do any more Star Wars streaming. I'm sure they will, but maybe like more just like season twos and threes instead of just more season ones in yeah. the series. Um, and as for, again, the paper can, which, you know, we want to focus on, you know, it's like, obviously, Acolyte will continue the higher public flag on that front. And I'm sure mm -hmm. we'll get like a single novel maybe in the higher, that has, in that era. But like, Again, are they just going to do back to kind of more one and dones? Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe they'll be allowed by that point to kind of focus on the New Republic era in that Mandover spot that might not tie in too much to yeah. the show. Maybe they want to fill in that fifteen-year gap between Episode Nine and the New Jedi Order film, if that's a thing that can they can do. Again, depending on how kind of everything's scheduled around that. So mm -hmm. that's 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 kind of then obviously you know how much if they when they do mangled stuff that's twenty five thousand years in the past, right. um, or maybe they'll even want to go do Old Republic because you know that time you know in Celebration the timeline had the Old Republic as mm -hmm. like an era as no as sort of an official era to kind of that has nothing in it um, as of yet. Um, so you know, I'm kind of just trying to think of myself. Okay, so 2020. To 2024, as of now, I've been Mandover shows, a couple of miniseries, and/or the two-parter, and a bunch of. And the focus primarily for Paper Can has been the High Republic, and obviously a few one-offs. So yeah, well, you know, High Republic and the 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 intricate the Empire to Jedi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's like the comic side too. So again, yeah, yeah. like. I always, I always forget I focus on comics. So it's like, you know, are we yeah. finally going to get some Lucon and Leia post Endor comics? Yeah. Are we going to go there next? You know, so. Well, yeah, we, we'll, I, we'll speculate later on yeah, the show for but, sure. But, you know, that's sort of yeah. my kind of guess is I'm curious if you got those vibes too or just. Yeah. Again, what, what you're saying in terms of things coming to an end, especially given and given what I what I heard about the comics, um, especially Bounty Hunters coming to an end, that tells me something. Uh, and yeah, we know High Republic is 2025. That's it. They're going to yeah. spread it out, thankfully. Uh, I, I Again, I do hope they take a break. I'm wondering, you know, they've, in High Republic, they've seeded some things. They It's just been lore backstory for the story yeah. at hand, for sure. But 
if they've seeded some things going back eh, maybe 700 years, you know, that's, and that's kind of what I was wondering is uh, part of the point of only going 200 years and only going 350 years is to make this more, the smoother transition than from, from the Skywalker Sagra era to say, to not then go boom, uh, old Republic to say, okay, we have high Republic. Then let's go back even a bit more gently. Um, so you what yeah. you think like yay one the cis empire has fallen and the black republic just getting on its feet early i want to say i mean my my mind's going to bane in that era you know there, that seems lot. still in in canon seems still to be a pivotal time oh, and yeah. so yeah and things that have to do with high republic sure that we that we end up seeing in high republic but of course with bane it's you know the the backstory that george lucas created for episode 1 so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily mean Bane and Drew Carpish and all that. I mean that kind of time period where yeah. things were starting anew. There was right. a sense of real renewal at that time. That and, would be interesting for yeah. sure. Um, that, a kind secret of face. Well, actually, but you couldn't call it High Republic, though, because I feel like the High no, Republic. It's, it's older. It'd Republic. be like, no, I mean, it'd be Old Republic. It'd be like yeah. Republic Day Year Zero or something. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Years. Because, I mean, High Republic, so because phase two is sort of near the beginning of the High Republic, right? And then phase one and three are at the height, they're the height, and then the apex, and then it right. Um, is, is the end of you know, phase one, I the storm, the general retreat, phase three, uh, and then the acolyte is at the bottom, and maybe the end of the High Republic, but yeah, it does also go to show that we're thinking, okay, what kind of long term larger production uh or publication project are they going to do next because high republic has gone so well i think right it's oh yeah so, really so popular oh yeah, yeah. Gonna, you know they're gonna do something again and i just you know and then we kept and again you know movies will happen when they happen but you know it's like i'm sure that's all we can be taken into account in terms of like okay where can we t where where can where can we we have the most space obviously obviously you know they're not afraid to do stuff in between episodes one through nine to a certain extent like with uh with um inquisitorious and rise of the red blade but you know those, those are more easily one and done so it's like yeah it's sort of like i'm sure they're taking into account as well what will happen there and stuff like that as we know how these stories come about you know an, an author will pick something <coughs> or or the story group will will say we're, we want to do this but an author will pitch something hey i've got this idea right and then does it fit does it fit with their financial commitments? Does it fit with their whatever commitments? And right, we'll get to that when we when we do the yeah. The panel. So yeah, and, oh, and yeah. interesting thoughts about, from Delilah Dawson actually about that. So, so that was my uh, general thoughts on week of Star Wars. Yeah. end of an era or, or end of an era. Uh, I'll be quick. Uh, my my week. So it was going to be talking about New York Comic Con, but that that was last week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got it. Just say Marta Marta Rowe. Uh, I, I won't spoil anything. I finished Path of Vengeance. I finally finished Phase Two. Finally, I, I let just yesterday. I just, I read, yeah, just yesterday, I read her story on her short story in Tales of Light and Life. She give me, make me, make me do a list of top ten all-time canon characters, top ten all-time the paper canon characters, maybe Star Wars characters, top five all-time paper canon characters. Madero is in that. Just the way she goes from this uh, i won't spoil it but you you kind of get the gist of, of her arc right she goes from yeah. this sweet innocent flower 
flower handing out, gift freely given, knows how to, you know, is the one gravitating towards taking care of kids. Which, cat which yeah, yeah, you know, this cat, cat, the cat is, 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 you don't apologize for the cat. That's good. Um, yeah, you know, gift freely given, you know, Kevmo dying, counting the leveler, uh, everything she has to face with the mother, everything she faces with, with Yana. Um, everything just her her whole the whole path of the open hand and what that turns out to become it turns out to be and how she's radicalized but not and yet also still is and still maintains her heart yeah uh, just and and everything that means for 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 this guy you know great great or great grandson or grandson or whoever um yeah really infusing even even phases one and two one and three with this this new wrinkle and this new heart behind this evil malevolent you know pir- gang of pirates, it, she she's the origin of it, and that she's the origin of it. I'm still just enthralled, and so I, I'd love to hear more, see more Marta stories, even if you know fa- phase two is done. She's yeah, definitely, and she we we only get a little bit. We only get these two YA novels, and we get one short story and i i'm guessing that's her in in eye of the storm we don't know there's an elderly woman that um uh what's his asgar calls mother yeah a couple of things i've been thinking about as we uh, kind of go back to my thing for a second yeah uh, as well it's like you know phase two is so short they could put more books in that phase like other things that time period, going on right that time period things are going on it's a great but, time period you know, plenty more modern stories where that came from. But, yeah. Um. You know, and I, I just started Path of Vengeance. I think I'm on like a chapter five. Mm-hmm. Reading so slowly. Oh, yeah, yeah. I get so distracted. But like, I'll just say, uh, Marta, she she's seen some ghosts. She can't hear yeah. voices in her head. She's seen some ghosts. That's so fascinating. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. and what they do with that in this story <laughs> is also pretty fascinating too. So, yeah. yeah uh, I mean, again, oh, they'll take a break probably from from this, just like how they do with. Skywalker saga stories and 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 on screen, they'll take a break from maybe telling stories in the Hyrule book. But five ten years from now, someone's going to come along with a pitch, say, "I have this great Marta Rose story mm-hmm. I want to tell." Mm-hmm. Why not? It's the canon, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't have to have the High Republic banner on it, but mm-hmm. you know, just like um, you know, the Inquisitor story doesn't have to have like the Darth Vader comic banner or or the Clone Wars or Rebels banner or whoever. Right. It just is a story of a character in canon. Yeah, like I, like, connected. But yeah. like I always say, the High Republic banner to me, and what I like about the banner, yeah. is it indicates it's part of a wider storyline. It's a yeah. singular storyline, which, um, you know, I don't want to turn this too much, but I just wish the Mandoverse did that too. Like, I just wish, like, we had, like, so, like, Kenobi and Ahsoka yeah. and Andor, like, could be separate, but then, like, Ahsoka and Mando, like, I like, the New Republic era, or something. I don't know. It's like, yeah, I, I mean, like I guess kind of unofficially like... in the in the the materials, like at Celebration, they had like those eras broken up. But I yeah, mean, I get, but that's but well, the, the the that logo. I mean, that's the publishing initiative. Yeah, to me, the initiative is a storyline. Yeah, and then the High Republic itself is an era, which you know, it's like you can tell a story in the High Republic era that has nothing to do with the Nile yeah. or that storyline. Like, I don't know, technically. Well, that... if you're going to tell a story about Marta. It has to do with the Nile. But. Well, yeah. But like, <laughs> I'm thinking about like young Jedi adventures. Yeah. As I haven't seen the Nile. They're just kind of like, here's the High Republic. Here's some Jedi kids having little Jedi adventures. Although uh, we know Loden and Bell are going to be in that. 
and Kevin that's starts fine. writing those stories. But that's that's, cool. that's that's a fun thing. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Okay. So, can I tell you something, Joel? I, I was at New York Comic Con two weeks ago. Oh wow! Did I, you know I, I didn't know. I, I was didn't at know. New York Comic Con. I'm wearing I'm wearing a T-shirt of okay. of New York's favorite superhero, uh, Steve Rogers. It's not Star Wars. It's, it's Marvel. It has some mouse. It's fine. This is a really cool T-shirt. I, I just yeah. I, mean, well, I, I did get a, another one, uh, just New York Comic Con, just the logo, but it's it's the the the, the blue and red 3D lines. So you, okay. it comes with 3D glasses. Mm-hmm. That's pretty great. Uh, I did get, I get, I got lots of comics and lots of books. I only got one bit of merch, uh, like an Obi Wan Kenobi Jedi Starfighter. So that was nice. good. Um, yeah, and then I, uh, of course, the, the first uh, first panels I went to Thursday afternoon. So the, the way this is going to work, I'm going to go through kind of the panels and just different thoughts and definitely okay. turn to you at certain points, but okay. uh, just also summarize things that came up. Um, so yeah, the first big panel uh, for, for Star Wars, I, I mentioned Ewan McGregor, uh, but that wasn't anything about Star Wars. Um, <laughs> really. Uh, yeah, the Return of the Jedi from a certain point of view, which, yeah, it's similar to uh, you know previous from a certain point of view panels a little bit. That was uh, so. That was the Thursday afternoon. That one, but it was different in that it only had um, it only had maybe five or six authors. I forget which ones. Mainly new ones, and that's different. That's nice. And they all you know, all showed. Uh, you know, talked about their stories. They all talked about their favorite stories, and every single person get a, had a different list, mm-hmm. and that's also fascinating. Um, one of the things Chris mentioned, and, and I, I agreed with this, and I, I've thought this too, uh, the Fakpovs, they've been great for giving you know, authors that are new to Star Wars a chance to write something, to see, okay, what does, does this work? Does this, uh, you know, are you able to play in the sandbox well? Are you play, you know, deal with you know, the behind the scenes well? Um, just to try, the, try them out. Obviously, we know, again, another thing we know is, you know, Star Wars is never your first published novel. You, they're all you're always published. Have other things published before that, I, either licensed or not. Usually not. Um, but here's yeah, it's an opportunity. And so we got a bunch of new authors, and they all talked about uh, well, a few things that stood out is um, the the way that these fakpovs, <laughs> fakpovs are able to to highlight ordinary folks in this real lived in universe i mean it's not a real universe but it, it's this lived in thing we aren't they aren't allowed to touch the main characters they're not allowed to well at least have focus on them they are allowed there was one story there's one story i haven't read it yet but there's one story where uh the point of view character does interact with luke on leia lando or maybe not han yet but maybe, i don't remember but Luke on Lando and, and and I think Chewie all interacts with them. And so they're able to actually write them, write those, uh, the iconic characters, but from the point of view of an ordinary person. So it, it's one of those, it, it's definitely on the side of the lived in universe, uh, the, the ordinary everyday folks that we don't see in the films, right? Because mainly, I mean, except for maybe Andor or whoever, but you know, you got the space wizards and we got the, yeah. the politicians you know who, who's the janitor who's the who's the, the the calmest person you know that that being said another thing that really stood out is reflecting on return of the jedi and how even with these ordinary folks 
all of their plot lines, and this is, I think, true with the comics as well, converge on Anakin's redemption story. And how, so all of these stories, I think at least point to, and I, again, I haven't read it, but I need to, point to the way uh, everything's leading to, you know, the just, you know, just the way, yeah, well, leading to the, the throne room moment and how that defines, cosmically defines uh, the galaxy, politically defines the galaxy. And of course, personally for, for Anakin and Luke, but uh, everyone else is caught up in that to some extent in some way even if they don't know it and so that was that was fascinating it's a a testament to my prequelism to say yeah return of the jedi it's about anakin of course (laughs) you know and that could also have to do with a lot of recent things on screen but uh i was heartened to hear that so i know that that with the return of the jedi fact bob have you have you thought of getting into that book yet or uh not yet uh um I mean, I've seen, I've seen good things. I'll probably get to it eventually. I didn't get to the Empire Strikes Back one too. It's it's a lot, a little bit harder for me to listen to them on audiobook because yeah. like not narrative, narrative. Um, I was a little disappointed. Like, oh, they didn't do anything like hint that Palpatine's getting ready for an Exegol more Rise of Skywalker. Surprising, they kind of should have, but yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Give me, give me a Snoke reference. I mean, General Pride's in there. Yeah, but that for some reason. I mean, I, I don't remember what his. I don't know what his story's like. So mm-hmm. maybe that's a bit more yeah. sequely. But, uh, um, but so what did you think uh, of, you know, the kind of the points I raised about Anakin and ordinary lived universe and giving new authors a shot? Oh, yeah. So, you know, in terms of getting new authors a shot, I mean, that's that's always wonderful. I'm trying to think, are do we know any authors from like any of the earlier certain point of views have gone off to like be big? Yeah, like, I'm sure there have. I forget. But I, I mean, I know um, I know well, I know Alyssa Wong and Daniel Jose okay, Older. So- I know, long. you know, they have a few in there. I know. I mean, another yeah. interesting thing they do is it goes the other way. So you have um, Claudia Gray in the the New Hope one has has a short story called Master and Apprentice with Qui Gon's Force Ghost and Obi Wan. Um, oh yeah, know, you know, and Mike Chen in Return of the Jedi has <coughs> a story called Brotherhood with oh yeah, yeah. Vader, Anakin, yeah. and, and Obi Wan. So that's oh, funny. I think Master and Apprentice did Master and Apprentice happen the book happened after or before i don't know i think it might have been after okay so that's interesting so yeah. it's been reversed in this case um yeah. with because brotherhood came out before but claudia gray had already been established and so oh yeah yeah so, so yeah yeah so okay yeah i mean i mean that's that's i think that's smart i, yeah. I hope some of these authors get their get their due and get to write a book or or two or whether uh, you haven't read it right you have not not yet it. no okay i was gonna ask you like are there any ones that you thought oh this person should write a novel or just the two yeah. Um, yeah, you know, that's interesting. As for the regular people aspect of it, I mean, you know, that's always the fun thing of these, of this particular, um, mm-hmm. of these particular stories, you know, it's like, you know, we have the big epic one. What's, what's everyone else doing? Yeah. What's Akbar's thinking? What's, what's, <laughs> what's, what's the officer in the background thinking? Right. Um, what I would wish, and I guess this only probably depends more if you give these authors jobs outside of these little vignettes is, you mm-hmm. know take some of these characters you decide to make a story out of and give them a whole novel to themselves, make it a trilogy or something like yeah. something like that. Um, that would be cool. Like really expand upon them some more if, you know, uh, that would be fun. And as for the Anakin stuff, um, I, I feel like I would have to read the novel to really get yeah, to understand that fair. aspect. So. I mean, uh, so do I, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Um, yeah. Uh, quickly getting at the reason I have the Image Comics panel, and so Image, it's another, it's another publishing, it's another publisher. It's the creator-owned one. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because on the, you know, there was Charles Soule, Ethan Sachs, Will Sliney, um, a few of them talking about their creator-owned comics. Really cool. Uh, Ethan Sachs, by the way, he wrote um, with his daughter. I forget her name. Uh, about about talking about I think Naomi is that her name talking about uh, her uh, her journey through recovery through depression and how he mentioned how he he wrote the uh, the scripts to Bounty Hunters while in the psych waiting in the psych ward because uh, his daughter was was in, you know getting help and getting treatment uh, for okay. this and so they 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 wrote they wrote a comic using horror imagery as as a uh, a metaphor for depression clinical depression so that's really interesting shout out to them um charles soul and and will signy talking about shrouded college and eight billion genies uh eight billion genies uh not not by real signy but um yeah all yeah just they're they're creator own comics i will say the thing that brought the reason i'm bringing this up is um especially so both shrouded college and eight billion genies are, are these interconnected stories trying to college, especially it's, it's just, it's sort of a crossover. Not really like each story is kind of independent, but set in its own universe. Eight billion genies is this one story. It's structured and really brilliant premise where each person gets a genie. And so there's 8 billion genies around because 8 billion people. And it's you know, the first eight hours and the first eight, eight months or something. And the first, or first eight weeks, first eight months, first eight years, uh, Eight, eight decades, etc. So it's structured this way, to, and you have to really plan it out. And it got me thinking. You know, there's something about uh, about interconnected stories, about the ability to plan out a long term, uh, well, yeah, a long term story, a long term event, if you will, that Charles Soul is particularly adept at, and I think he's drawn to. And so we, of course, seen that in High Republic. We've seen that. In the way you know his Vader run in 2017, just the way that had such a very clear again, I call him a master of setup and payoff. He has a very clear idea of what he's doing from the very beginning. Something like Undiscover Country, you know, him and, and Scott Snyder have a very clear idea when they start. I think I think they, they get the sense they have a very, they've plotted this out, maybe not perfectly, not exactly, but they know where they're going. And that they're able to seed it in in a very satisfying way. And so, I I'm, I want to ask him. I wonder, you know, what? How did he develop that ability? And what draws him? What what does that draw him to? What? What's the question? <laughs> uh, what draws him to that? Uh, is is the way I'm trying to trying to ask that. So yeah, it, it was just a fascinating thought about that. Another thing I asked him. Uh, so undiscovered country. The premise there is that those United States have sealed themselves off from the rest of the world. And, and that's bad because there's this airborne disease in the rest of the world. And uh, so they send the team into the U S to try and uh, find a cure. I went up and asked him kind of cheekily, okay, what does that mean? Leave Canada. Where, how does that mean? Mexico and Alaska and Hawaii. And, and his answer is, Oh, they're fine. Obviously if that actually happened, then we wouldn't be fine. Mm -hmm. But, uh, it kind of it was this uh, this good uh, I don't know about rebuke but good good reminder that 
world building really has to be disciplined in order to serve a story. And that even if you know we might have these questions about world building, if it isn't relevant to the story you're telling, then you don't need to deal with it. You don't need to worry about it. We nerd out on these things, but it's very important for us to uh, you know, to, to focus on 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 the story at hand. With Star Wars, it is a little more complicated because it's the George Lucas sandbox. It's everything he set up. And then we talk about canon and everything everyone else has set up. And uh, there's a bit bit of a note about canon later on. I don't think I got it in the... Uh, uh, I don't know if I got it in the notes, but I'll, I'll try to remember. Um, but yeah, it's raises this question. You know, does Light of the Jedi, for example, does it do world building okay? In, in the sense of world building for Star Wars, I think is setting a history. And is setting out a history. Uh, I guess the question is, what does world building in Star Wars? I mean, we could do a whole episode on this, but uh, of those those few things in terms of interconnected story and world building, um, the discipline of world building, uh, do you have any, any thoughts on that? I mean, Star Wars' case, in terms of world building, I like, I'm on a big, broader sense for like just a few seconds. Mm-hmm. I honestly wonder, like, how much of the world building we as Star Wars fans know honestly comes from George Lucas outside of the big things. Right. Like, that whole, like, someone once said the Galactic Empire is probably the most detailed government in all of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, it's not because of George Lucas. It's because West End Games in the 80s had, like, a bunch of freaking source books that, like, right. you plop down. It's like now everybody uses them. Um, Things like the ISB, Comp North, the Stormtrooper Corps. That's all. That's all the Inquisitorious. That's all the West End game stuff right sure. there. Um, so there's that. Um, so yeah, you know, it's like Star Wars has got that kind of odd history of like, yeah, George set it up. It's like, eh, honestly, a good chunk of like the history and world building probably comes from other people's installments mm-hmm. um, and source books. Um, yeah, and as for High Republic, yeah, I do think in some, you know, I was, I was funny enough reading, um, someone's review of uh, one of the books um and they one of the more positive aspects they said it's like they liked about the high republic maybe wasn't so much the characters at least of that book in particular but um mm-hmm. but they did like the historical kind of view of the galaxy and how it kind of nicely kind of logically as mm-hmm. logically as you can make it uh makes sense with what eventually will come this is a phase two book, so in their mind, it's like phase two matched very well with how we saw the, how the galaxy should be to phase one, and I guess mm-hmm. three, and then, you know, we get to prequels, so, and then original yeah. trilogy. So, yeah, from that kind of aspect, um, High Republic, from, like, the historical world-building standpoint, has probably been pretty strong, um, where it's like, I can't wait for the source books on this, and just kind of the big, sure. the history of the High Republic, the textbook. Yeah, the textbook. Um, but that's just, it is is that good storytelling? And I guess that's the pro that's always the challenge with star Wars, a challenge with star Trek, uh, not a challenge with Marvel. Cause they just rewrite the history if they want. Hmm. It, it actually has to make sense. And I mean, what that is, I guess it's, it's a different type of storytelling challenge. It makes for a different type of storytelling in that, you know, you're, you're, it makes for almost a more realistic type of storytelling, oddly enough, even if there's space wizards and, you know, and uh, a galactic government in hyperspace, you know, it, it maybe it makes it more relatable. And maybe that's what we connect with. Maybe that's why, uh, why we nerd out, why we geek out is because, 
you know, it's it's imaginative, it's fun, it's different, but also it it's really grounded in way in a way that you know I I, I say wait a minute, like I, I know what, what precisely what would happen to Canada if the U.S. just sealed itself off, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, we'd be done, we'd be <laughs> you know we we'd have to fly everything in from Europe, but you know that uh, you know that would be I guess a different interesting history. It's not that you know I don't know. It, it's it's just it's an interesting. I mean, maybe maybe to say the way it works in Star Wars is, you know, if some we're, we're telling this story over here, if someone wants to come along and write something else over there, they can. Whereas Charles and Scott aren't going to bother to do that. I mean, he kind of joked saying he's going to write an uh, uh, an epilogue saying, okay, how Canada was fine, how Mexico and them were fine, but. Yeah, it's uh maybe it's just a different approach to it. I'd be curious to see. I mean, it's why folks like I guess Scorsese and and then are, are can't stand that kind of interconnected universe. But again, I just mentioned how, how Charles is always drawn to interconnected universes and, and well plotted out stories. So, well, um, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a film. Star Wars isn't Star Star Wars seventy seven yeah. wasn't here's an interconnected universe. Here's a film yeah. in nineteen seventy seven. The original Marvel films honestly aren't that interconnected. They actually kind of just work on their own. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're going in trying to make a universe, I think you failed as a storyteller. Um, <laughs> right. Right, Frank. Maybe that's kind of his point. Exactly. Right. Um, you know, yeah. if you want to make a universe, write a textbook. Um, write a sort. Write a D and D guidebook. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, yeah. I mean. Yeah, but even then, I mean, a D and D guidebook are, you know, is meant to serve the game that you play. So that's true. Actually, you know, higher public should have a D and D guidebook. Why aren't there higher public set era D and I mean, Star why are there higher public action figures? Is another question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm I mean, getting higher, to that. I promise. <laughs> higher public actually would make a great D and D setting area. Like, there's lots of Jedi. There's lots of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. You can have all sorts of adventures. Um, it could be great. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess you know those are those thoughts. Uh, think um, probably things to think more about. Uh, the next panel this was Sunday morning. Uh, writing in someone else's universe. Fun story with this. I wasn't gonna go to this one. I had it in my calendar. But I was like, it was it's like ten forty-five on Sunday, last day of the con. Um, okay, I'm gonna if I get in on time, I'll try and make it. I end up making it. It had John Jackson Miller, Alex Segura, and Delilah S. Dawson in it. So it was effectively a Star Wars canon panel as well. And um, yeah, and it did go into, I mean, John Jackson Miller did go into uh, what canon kind of means. And it's, it's similar to along the lines of what I've said in that you know, all it means is it's binding on future canon. He talked a lot about, in his context, the Legends canon relationship because course he was a major voice a major major writer in legends in the eu he back wrote the then. Uh, knights of the old republic comics which were tie-ins yes. and a prequel to the knight of the old republic games yes and then of course i mean everything he wrote later you know kenobi and um and whatnot yeah and then but you know he talked about that being that legends canon relationship being being the tricky one not necessarily we talk about the paper screen relationship mm-hmm. Uh, he talks about the legends canon relationship for him. It's actually one in the same um, because he, ta- he said he raised something now that he mentions it, it's obvious, but, uh, and I'm sure you've probably thought of this Joel, but for some reason I never clued in uh, 
the you know, the reason for the Legends canon changeover is because uh, because of Force Awakens, because well, you yeah. can never tell, uh, you can never say to J.J. Abrams, you know, oh, okay, Luke Han, or, or Han and Leia have these three kids, and one of them kills kills them. Interest of the dark side, or we drop a moon on Chewie, you know, uh, had to be able to reset that story, which ended up. I mean, was George ever going to adhere to that too? I no, that's so. true too. Um, you know, so the reset that story, and so uh, you you got to got to reset the paper story as well. Generally, it was an opportunity to at least say, "Hey, here's all these new books. They they've gotten a lot more selective with the new books that they've they've put out." But yeah, it, it's still, yeah, this whole thing again. I keep saying how you know I used to be all it's all going to be interconnected and all going to be whatever. And I think now they're they're at you know between paper and screen, and I think now they've come to a happy medium where to say, um, you know, paper is not going to contradict screen, but it's going to stay in its own lane by and large and do its own thing, uh, and do it, and then it can be free to do interesting things. And the Lila Dawson talked a lot about and she said a lot of what we know you know the story group giving notes blocking off curtain certain you know key story avenues uh certain plot points and whatnot i you know i would like to ask them and this is what i wonder is what do uh what do these authors what do these creatives hope you know the relationship between canon and canon is what the relationship between paper and screen can be Obviously, you know, it's great for, I mean, Heather Antos, Heather Antos did the Star Trek comics panel. That was great. You know, I'm sure I wonder how she felt about seeing Kersantan on the screen. That must have been great. Um, But, you know, what, what's, what, how do they hope it it ties in? And and Miller, he talked a lot about plot points. He talked about facts that get, then get retconned or not. you know, I I would like to hear more. We've thought and talked about more about uh, story resonances and influences, and uh, yeah, just the the different. You know, you know, is um, you know, say for Cobb Vanth, for example. You know, it, it it's nice that he's the character, even if the facts don't line up precisely. For example, um, you know, John Jackson Miller. I mean, in the the Legends canon relationship. Speaking of the fact povs. He's a he's a great example, better than Zon, and they, they did mention Zon and Thrawn, and we'll get to Thrawn later. Uh, saying you know that uh, it was again you know the the be able to bring in certain influences. I yeah, I'm really curious to see what what he thought about those first two episodes of Kenobi, because they very much feel like uh, his novel, and then of course the New Hope Fakpov with the Tuscans. Uh, there there is almost assuming that the novel is still canon and so and he's free to do that so i mean i mean maybe what we we're getting at is there's still a legends canon relationship in that ideas. i mean i'll give you an example let, let me get to the point is that you know ideas and characters and uh just i mean ideas about the force i mean that's again josh jackson miller we'll get to the living force in a minute or in a bit but um yeah it it's still ripe for the taking and still ripe for the reading and enjoyment. I mean, last week you mentioned the, the uh, uh, what's it called? The Essentials Collection, right? 
they're still selling these things. They're publishing. They're putting time and money to publish these things. They're great Star Wars stories. They're just not necessarily binding on what else, what comes next. They go can read. be, but they don't have to be. Um, go, go what read. were you going to say? Yeah, I mean, I'll give you a couple of examples off the top of my head. I mean, Adam Christopher had, you know, the Sith Acolytes on Exegol chant Revan, 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 Legus, Legus, Legus. Um, yep. So oh, Darth Revan does exist somewhere. Um, there's also in Tarkin by James Lucino, one of the earlier Star Wars novels, which I was listening mm-hmm. to, uh, a flashback between Tarkin and uh, Palpatine when he was like a senator or something. You know, he's like, you know, hey, Tarkin, you should get into politics. And Tarkin, like, politics? Nah, I shouldn't get into <laughs> politics. And Palpatine's like, he goes, well, you know, my mentor taught me a lot about politics and has helped me quite a great deal. Yeah. Oh, wink, a wink, a wink. We know who that is. Um, mm-hmm. Also, one of the droids that Plagueis owned is in that book as well. Right. And they mentioned Naboo having a king, which was also in the Plagueis novel because yeah. King Varuna was a was the king of Naboo in that book at the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, there's Varuna, that. not not John Jackson Miller, but yeah, <laughs> or Jackson, Varuna. Sorry, go ahead. King King Varuna um, yeah. of Naboo. Um, so you know, there's that. So there's that relationship right there. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, in terms of, like, the relationship between paper and screen, yeah, obviously everyone kind of in their own lane, but, you know, Thrawn knew Anakin Skywalker. It's a great who, example. Who, yeah. carry, who came up with that idea first? I wondered now. Um, you know, and, I mean, hey, as long, I'm glad that that got to stick around because I think that's a fun example. Sneak preview. What? Sneak preview. Sneak preview of what's to come. Um, <laughs> right, I'll say sneak preview. Um, but you know, it's, it's like that that got to carry over, and I'm glad it did. Um, because yeah. it was a fun moment. Um, for sure. Um, so yeah, you know, obviously they're not bound to the story and the plot lines. I doubt Mara Jade's gonna show up anytime soon, folks. But um, mm-hmm. you know, like I've always sort of said, like even even the we were talking last week about Tales of the Jedi, which is sort of the the ancient, the first big battle between the Jedi and the Sis mm-hmm. um, Empire. And, you know, that storyline has kept more or less intact of 5,000 years ago, the Jedi and the Sis had a schism. Yeah. Uh, well, not the Sis, the Dark Jedi had some Jedi, and then some Dark Side Jedi had a schism. The Jedi booted those Jedi out, and then those Jedi went into exile, and they found Korriban. And then they founded the Sith Empire, and they've wanted revenge ever since. And they eventually got in revenge of the Sith. Um, so you know that story, that let that basic legends mm-hmm. overview of what Sith history has been—the hundred years darkness and whatnot—they've stuck with that in yeah. source in source books and guides and what the Sith are more or less. So they are the Jedi exiles. They got kicked out, and now they hate the Jedi forever, and they've been fighting forever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll say the reason that works is because it's the paper screen relationship going in the other direction. All of that is spun out by the the council scenes in The Phantom Menace, right? The Sith, the mystery of the Sith. What is this mystery? You get Drew Carpetian in, who can write this great story, or or John Jackson Miller who can write this great story. And, and yeah, it just... Well, this goes and, back and, to the 1990s with Tom And yeah, all, the, the, all those authors with the, in Tales of the Jedi, right? Right. Yeah, spinning... So that's even before... Interestingly enough, it still works in the Phantom Menace, even if George had no idea what would happen in those not comics. I have no idea. If there's, any, so. there's, I've read the Phantom Menace. Ne- ne- I'm sorry, 
The Phantom like, Menace. The Phantom Unique Menace novelization, yeah. which kind of has yeah. that backstory, and it's yeah. a little different. Like there's a thousand years mm-hmm. instead of five thousand years when the Sith were founded. Yeah. Um, there's no real mention of the Jedi kicking the those Dark Siders out and exiling them. So that part is a Legends concept purely, um, which probably been kind of recontext kind of been now put back work. in. You can still, still see it. It would be an interesting story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. it's and that's just it, it would be an interesting story. It yeah. already is an interesting story. <laughs> yeah, 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 I mean, the, the details are a little different in both versions, but I think they're sticking more with, like, the timeline of 5,000 years and the kicking out exile part of it. But, you know, that then more or less it's the same thing of, like, schism, rogue Jedi, mm-hmm. then they've exiled this empire, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, that, 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 that makes sense for the most part. Yeah, and I, I can definitely see that. It would have been cool to have Tim Zahn on that panel, though, because, you know, he kind of... Yeah. He kicked off the original EU and very much had to work within the context of Return mm-hmm. of the Jedi happened. Now do something five years later. Yeah, hey, I mean, I, I while guy. this panel is going on, I'm thinking about Tim Zahn. Just <laughs> uh, conversations, I guess, was having with, maybe with, I don't know if Chris, we had that conversation or oh, just a bunch of people in the Discord mm-hmm. and elsewhere saying screen is screen thrown and, and paper thrown the same character. I don't know. <laughs> Um, watching watching Star Wars Explain talk about Thrawn and you know, Glory to the Empire, but and that was a good explanation. Was you know Glory to the Chiss Ascendancy? What who would know what casual viewer would know what the Chiss Ascendancy? But yeah, it, it's that's a trickier one. And so yeah, that was a nice moment. I will say of of Thrawn knowing who Anakin was. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's it's always this complicated, tricky question. Um, you know, yeah, it's it's the spiritual resonance, the spiritual impact versus maybe some certain facts on the ground. Maybe. What's more important? I mean, about. maybe I think I, I mean I don't want to turn this to a Thrawn discussion. Although that we always do, we always we we will we will uh, we, will. we will we will we <laughs> um, will. But you know, someone someone brought up a good point on a on a form, which is mm-hmm. basically um too too long. Don't didn't read. Uh-huh. Um, that you mm-hmm. know, in the original Air of the Empire trilogy. We didn't know much about Thrawn's motivations and backstory outside the motivation of he was a grand admiral of the Empire and he wanted to restore the Empire. That was it. That's all we need to know. And then later, Tim Zahn retroactively added all this backstory to Thrawn of like, you know, he was in the Unknown Regions and he was part Mm. of the Chiss Ascendancy, yada, yada. And Filoni's going more with that just traditional, you know what? All you need to know about Thrawn, he's a grand admiral and he wants to restore the Empire and he's blue. That's it. So that's interesting. What you're saying is now we're going in the other direction and maybe that's it doesn't work as well going in the direction of saying we those of us who read the ascendancy trilogy and the the canon throne trilogy seeing this on-screen throne even rebels but also on-screen throne it doesn't quite work as well whereas if all you have was the say if all you have was uh was the on the screen throne or the original throne trilogy throne and then later on, that's that's an empty slate, an empty container that Zong can then fill. Yeah, I can see that working well. I, I'm gonna move on a little more. Um, okay. Delilah Dawson had some really interesting things, things to say. Again, she talked about working with the story group. Um, like I said before, closing off certain avenues, etc. Um, someone asked her, you know, what's the time frame? This is just a little factoid, behind the scene factoid. And she said it's six to eight weeks to turn around a novel, 
which in the I think did she say six eight weeks or six eight months? I I don't know. I it felt like I think she said weeks. She said and, weeks and dang. Yeah, I think she said weeks and and that's ridiculous. But it's it's how it is. It's what they need to do, um, right? Because I think in in more in, if you're in publishing generally, it's I think six to eight months, if not two years, and so yeah to to just sit down hammer at a uh you know you well first of all that you already have to have the basics of the story already agreed with the story group and with with uh random house worlds or disney um disney publishing so uh yeah so that yeah it's really quick turnaround really yeah well her point was you got to be able to to act quickly and of course play nicely and i mean and i wonder how i mean i talk about that i mentioned them they'd be more selective with what books they have to be more selective with what authors. I mean, I wonder what authors just haven't been able to cut it. I know it's harsh to say, but have been able, because it's such a, it seems like such a different way of working than we see, except I mean, NaNoWriMo is coming up. So so maybe there's some kind of relationship to that, you know, NaNoWriMo people writing, writing a novel in in a month and that whole time frame. Of course, then there's, there's notes behind there and you know, get notes back from lucasfilm lucasfilm story group so yeah that was just a really really fascinating little factoid uh another question she was asked the more more interesting i I mean not that that isn't interesting but a much deeper question when's the snoke book it's not what she was asked Uh, well kind of the answer is is never 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 lucasfilm's like uh, i don't know if that's true or not but anyway um someone asked Asked all the panelists, really, but uh, what aspects of their personal lives have they brought into their story? And she gave a really great answer. I haven't read Rise of the Red Blade yet, but she talked about how when she was growing up, she was uh, she had clinical depression also, and um, really had a sense of alienation, did not fit into her community, and so she was really able to answer this question: what lead someone to to leave to to go leave this the this religious community that she's a part of and turn the turn her back on it believe it that it's not serving her believe maybe that it's toxic and, and go to another side if you will and so she was able to really draw on that i'm guessing the the idea is is different because uh leaves the jedi and joins the this well the inquisitorious uh, hopefully, you know, but but it, at least it, maybe it makes it more sympathetic then to the Inquisitors. I don't know, Joel. Without spoiling anything, you know, is Rise of the Red Blade is it a very sympathetic story to to that main character? It is until like the final third. Okay. Um, that's when the, when things switch. Yeah, um, that's fair. Uh, so yeah, really, really fascinating insights in there. I think John Jackson Miller, you talked about parenting a little bit. I don't quite know what context that was in, but there you go. Anyway, uh, so of those two things, just the, the the time frame turnaround and you're know, bringing in uh, aspects of personal lives, um, Delilah Dawson's own personal life into, into Rise of the Red Blade. Do you have any, any thoughts on that, Joel? Well, for the turnaround, dang, this really is a sausage factory. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I've joked before, it's like, Tyrant's material is kind of like the fast food of 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 fiction it's not mcdonald's it's not like a high-end restaurant it's kind of yeah. like a wendy's um 
or whatever you consider like the kind of mid tier between like yeah. something really cheap and something like really pristine. So um, yeah, you know, it's like dang, that's like I barely can finish a story myself in like a month, let alone six days. It's like Shake Shack. I know. It's like it's, yeah, it's, it's the Shake Shack of stories. I mean, hey, you know, it's Shake Shack's good. fantastic. I love Shake Shack. I never get. We don't have Shake Shack here, so I had as, as much as I could. Anyway, so <laughs> okay, but yeah, you know, like that's a long time, and you know, it's like. I, I I wish they could. I wonder. I mean, maybe they don't want to because you know they don't want to burn bridges or anything. But like, you gotta yeah. wonder how like that affects the, the the quality of the product. I mean, I'm not saying you know you could spend two years and have a masterpiece. You know, it could still be crud. Um, mm. but you know, I'm sure that doesn't help that kind of that kind of turnaround. In fact, I actually, for what I heard, and you know, take this with some hearsay. But that's why Matthew Stilver has never been asked back because he was never sure. that good at um schedules. Um, and they probably want some. They want authors who like can tight yeah. get some more tighter schedules around them. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, you know, I gotta wonder, like you know, like Charles Soule novel, like he gets two years to write compared to like uh, one of his Star Wars novels, which he gets only six to eight weeks, and who knows how long he gets his comics. Mm -hmm. Boy, um, yeah. so that makes sense. I, I'm oops, sorry if you're noises. Um, I'm curious if. Did they say what errors are locked? Did they say like? Did they ever mention like what is locked off to them, or like did they kind of hint? I did, think something like, like, like the sequel trilogy. Or, uh, I think stuff about that, like stuff about the sequel trilogy, or uh, interesting. Um, I mean, I don't think that has to do with anything coming out. Um, Although they did hint that there are things coming out soon. Next I, I am. So. I'm very curious as to why that error has been so locked in yeah. yet. Um, oh, do you hear anything in the background? No, we're good. Okay, good. <laughs> um, I'm curious if you know, like, why that era has been so locked in for so long. Like, is it just because they want to wait till a movie? Do they want the movie to kind of define more that era? I can understand that. Maybe I mean, Mando versus in the newer in the immediate post Endor era has sort of been locked off as well. Um, mm -hmm. so really, it's just been original trilogy prequels a little bit, and obviously, all of High Republic gets to do whatever it wants. Um, yeah. so, you know, still no Snoke book for me. Um, I might have to wait until maybe Thrawn and Snoke team up in Mandoverse or something. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that makes sense. And for the personal stuff, I mean, oh, that's always cute. You know, like, I, you gotta read that first opening of Rise of the Red Play. Ooh, that, that opening little note. It's like, Oof. Oof, you know, it's gonna be special. Um, yeah. but yeah, that, that makes sense. But yeah, those are just my general thoughts. Yeah, I do, I mean, two things. I mean, the books are still great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it makes me wonder what the real skill is. It isn't so much speed. It's it, Well, what's behind the speed is having the fundamentals of storytelling down. Because um, there are consistent things that a good story has to do. And to be able to have those in place and not have to work too hard. I mean, that's why it can't be your first novel. Your first published novel can't be Star Wars. You have to mm -hmm. have that experience under your belt in order to be able to structure and set up and pay off well, relatively uh, well-versed in it. And so that seems to be what then enables them to churn something out. Um, yeah. And, and so, yeah, I, I can, I can see that. And then like, it's like a week of notes coming back, which is, which is also wild. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, just, uh, well, I guess the other thing I'll say is I'm wondering if High Republic is different because it's its own, world its own little little thing or if it's the exact same thing i don't know i do know with comics 
there's always just there's already this just established way especially that marvel does things and so that's still consistent with everything and it's why uh you know why he charles is able to do uh his image books in and around the marvel books in and around the star wars books uh, probably you know i mean kevin's done a lot of different tying things too uh so yeah it's uh and, and of like other universes and other things so that's i mean that's probably another reason why it, it comics will always you know, the comic industry is probably made in a better shape also something that john jackson miller does at the comicron in better shape than we think why i was saying at the top star wars comics will always be around is because uh there, there's just a very consistent i mean marvel especially is this machine that knows how to yeah. pump them out and these experienced comic are storytellers who know how to write for for comic books and so yeah it's uh yeah it, it's fairly very well versed i mean the, these novelists they also know how to write for no, write novels as i mentioned you know having having the fundamentals in place and and so we, we can we can notice that right we can we can tell well, we tell by being emotionally involved in these stories. And so that's right. always to me the litmus test. <laughs> and, and one more thing, you know, and this is going to sound a little cynical, and it kind of is. And, I, and obviously the books are great, so I'm not, I might not get like a, a, a true, like, you know, <laughs> judgment quality kind of thing. But at the end of the day, we all got to remember, guys, this, this ain't – Star Wars is not – and haven't been for a long time. It wasn't even under George, quite frankly, mm-hmm. after a certain point. The one man's artistic vision who is going to yeah. take years to gently craft every little single bit of dialogue and make this his big, grandiose yeah. opus. This is just typical corporate franchise things, like how Terminator 2 apparently got announced way before even James Cameron even thought of a of, of an idea, or how, like, the Marvel movies themselves are a big mm. machine that pump out stuff. Yeah. And, you know, like, and I'm just a Star Wars across the board, obviously, you know, things like the movies are have taken a little bit longer or in the shows or whatnot, and, but, you know, in terms of just, you know, Star Wars is a business as much as it is an art, as much as it is good storytelling and you know it is obviously we enjoy it and it is you know it is it it isn't and hasn't been really but more since george soul but even under george a little bit on like the other side of thing it's still mm-hmm. a business it's like you know there are deadlines and schedules and you know it's like we have yeah. to keep the machine running um yeah. i mean that that's the thing is the 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 deadlines and schedules but also storytelling by committee right it's the story group you know, it's the editor, it's mm-hmm. it's even the copy editors, it's friends and family that the author gets to gets to sample, you know, it's folks who get uh ARCs, it's all that. So I, I, I wanna I wanna just yeah. I wanna just counter one more thing before you before we continue. Sorry, but it's yeah. mentions but but you mentioned a phrase but I always kind of low key hate not but not mad at you it's like yeah. storytelling by committee. It's like I hate that because I feel like it's such a it's such a dirty word like yeah how dare a committee a true <laughs> art comes from a single mostly white male mostly male guy who has like a vision and an artistry and you know um to kind of put this in the context of history i was you know shakespeare's you know considered like the greatest poet of all time and playwright no he did that as a job he had to crank out a play almost every year almost so and it's he probably like, plagiarized about it a bunch of them too <laughs> but, 
but or <laughs> also all his stories were just folk tales and other things from you know whatever. But, history, but it's so. a, a profession; you have to crank yeah. out stuff to. So it's like, but now we consider them the greatest works of all time. And so it's like, mm-hmm. I think the whole, but even back then, like whole by committee thing, like that. Ah, what can great art not come from? Like, does great oh, art have? To I, I wasn't saying that. I'm, I like I'm agreeing. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I do. I do. I just want to. I just want to put that into context out there for like, the audience. This person right here. I'm just sneaking this in. I'm sneaking her in. Sneaking her in. <laughs> I'm going on YouTube. I'm saying this on YouTube. Taylor Swift is the greatest artist of our generation. She doesn't write her songs by herself. <laughs> you know, she has, she's the, she's in, in front. She's the one. She definitely the creative impetus and the genius behind it. But there's always input. There's always uh, other folks, you know, having, you know, having a say. Uh, yeah. I mean, nothing we do is actually, I mean, th- th- that was like, I think what you're getting at is the, the, the myth of the, the romantic Artur. individual artist, right? The Artur theory. You know, I mean, and it's it's just very, it's very, very few folks, especially in genre fiction, mm-hmm. who've been able to actually carve out a career not writing uh, in, in licensing. So I actually, I, I chatted with John Scalzi for a minute uh, at the con. I wish, I and mean, I love, I love John Scalzi's work. I, I've written, read a few of the things. The, the, the first John Scalzi book is a Star Trek parody. <laughs> I've read, or I've read at least is a Star Trek parody called Red Shirts. But I mean, he he does his own world building. He does his own uh, thing. He doesn't need to do licensed stuff. And it was it was on my brain saying, yeah, telling him, yeah, we're just just reflecting on the fact that he doesn't need to. But I mean, he respects everyone who does all this stuff. He gets it. Yeah. So and, you know, and, and, it, yeah. And he would say, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Everyone is edited. Everyone is is that. It's just. Here's another thing, though, is with Star Wars, yeah, it's the corporate machine, but there are so many people with story ideas mm-hmm. out there. They're never going to have to be like manufacturing a story idea in the, in the same right. way. In the same way, sorry, JJ, the way JJ manufactured a story idea to say, let's make it, let's reboot New Hope with with some different stories. Right. I mean, what's wrong um, with that? I mean, that works. Sure. In that moment, in 2015, yeah, why not? Right. And, you know, <laughs> speaking of which, I mean, like, what's wrong with Force Awakens being by committee? You know, people act like if Ryan Johnson got carte blanche to do what he wants. Sure. I doubt that. No, I, doubt I mean, if, nothing is. That's like, nothing. Like, like, I'm sure there was a lot of committee and story group, too. It's just mm-hmm. they all work together. You yeah. know, like, so it's like, I kind of, it's why I kind of, like, I don't like the fact that, if there's one thing I don't like about Last Jedi, it actually has nothing to do with Last Jedi, the movie. Sure. It's the fact that, like, it has, like, this weird, like, Star Wars is true cinema again and and kind of snobby elitist yeah yeah like i, I see what you mean there i do um i mean it, it, some people can relate to andor in that way too i'm I sure even tony gilroy had like help <laughs> yeah so but um my point being you know it, it's there's always going to be people with great storytelling ideas i will say mm-hmm. when it comes to churning them out again you have that they have to have agreed on the basic idea of the story with the story group beforehand. Right. So that I, also front loads a lot of things and like gives you a treatment and, and whatnot. So I have a question. I have a question for you, Matthew, if, if they brought this up, mm-hmm. because I think this also applies to screen as well from mm-hmm. what I've heard. So there are kind of two ways I've always heard star Wars stories kind of, and to be fair, this is all kind of corporate franchise genre fiction kind yeah. of comes together. One 
and this is kind of the Force Awakens, and weirdly Rogue One as well falls this camp of hmm. it's the studio wanting a very specific type of story to t- tell. Then they hire people who they think would be a good fit. You know, like Lucasfilm was like, okay, we want to do retro Star Wars to get back in the game. Hire J.J. Abrams. It's Rogue One. You know, John Noel goes to Kathleen Candy, and the studio goes, okay, we want like gritty war Star Wars. Mm-hmm. We're going to hire Gareth Edwards and a bunch of writers to concoct this general premise. Mm-hmm. I even feel like this is what the Ray New Jedi Order film was a bit like, where it's not like it's one person came to them. It's like, no, Lucasfilm's like, we want to do something with Ray. Yeah. Hire some writers and get some people to develop it. Um, with the books and novels, mm-hmm. is it the same with like some? Yeah, sometimes Charles Soule will go to them. It's like, hey, I got an idea for a book. Or do you think like Story Group or whoever's in charge mm-hmm. goes, hey, we need a Snoke book. Can we get someone to write a Snoke book? Or, you know, it's like, hey, we need to, uh, you know, clean up some of the, the, the weirdness around Ray's parents. Find, find a guy who can do that and make it interesting yeah. or something like a, the studio comes up with the premise before a person. Yeah. I mean, they definitely, they went into it with other franchises. I forget the example they gave. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I forget what example they gave, but it was a different, a different franchise. I forget. Um, they're like, we want, yeah, you did this thing. Oh yeah. We want you to do this thing. Right. I, I suspect something like uh, the, like with Chuck Wendick, the aftermath trilogy, that seems like, the yeah. kind of thing they, they have. I mean, High Republic Phase 2, mm-hmm. they were like, here's what we're doing. Now, those are the friends of like, George Mann is is Kevin's Kevin's buddy. Um, but still, you know, something maybe like that. I don't know. Again, I think there's just a lot of... Uh, I Like, I think they just get enough in. That's my guess. Enough submissions they- in. I mean, with High Republic, they did something completely different, right? In a way. And they said... We want you for you five luminous authors for your storytelling ability. Go to go on a retreat and figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, like, and one yeah. more example. You know, Tony Gilroy didn't pitch Andor. Andor was the pitch that they wanted to make. They gave it to somebody yeah. else that didn't work out. So they go, "Hey, Tony, you got an idea for what we can do with this Rogue One character that you kind of helped made?" And then he came on board, mm-hmm. and then it's sort of like the committee and him kind of like, "Okay, here we go. Shake hands, and then go." nuts yeah um so again i just kind of like i want to make that clear it's like sometimes these ideas don't come from a like a singular person no it's, it's gotta be both i mean when when they start you know when i was thinking the the thousand year like the higher up Repu- the old republic or the middle republic or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. um they're gonna probably go out and find true Carpetian or whoever um but also yeah i mean that's the thing is well like i, th- I i'm guessing for the Austin story she had that pitch. Right. I mean, I wonder, I think from what I hear with Adam, Adam Christopher, he had the idea. It just happened to fit with what they wanted to do. And that's, that's. I, and one more sneak peek, yeah. you know, did Dave Filoni, who's also part of story group and kind of part of the, the council, the brainchild, mm-hmm. what he said, he was bringing Thrawn in. He was like, I want Thrawn to know Anakin. Hey, Tim, could you write that backstory for me? Interesting. Thank you. And yeah. Well, well, we. I mean, we know when you know, when he comes into Rebels, part of the whole thing, part of the deal. Here. And by deal, I don't mean the necessarily the economic deal. I just mean the 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 thing they were doing is to say, right? Like at at that celebration panel, part of the reveal, they immediately cut to Tim Zahn saying, "I'm writing a novel." You know, I'm sure. I'm sure alliances was was thought of in there too. So at least right. part of it. So yeah, it's good. I mean, later. I don't know. 
Yeah, knowing how Filoni thinks, how he thinks decades ahead. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, maybe he thought he might be one day writing a story, Thrawn versus Ahsoka, one day, and uh, to have to have that story be there. Maybe. I mean, the thing is, I'd be curious to know. Does that's another getting back to the John Jackson Miller discussion, right? Does does that moment work with? <coughs> Okay, with uh, with Thrawn knowing Anakin, does that work with someone who's not read hasn't read alliances? I think it probably does. I think, it but does. It, it's the extra oomph, right, for yeah. us who who've, who've read this story. So, yeah, uh, that's great. We gotta we gotta move on. We gotta, haven't even touched the publisher oh, yeah. panel yet. Yeah, 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 <laughs> um, sorry. Yeah, How that's okay. Uh, I'm gonna, gonna move on here, and um, yeah. So, and we'll spend most of the time on the comics. There was some book stuff <laughs> at the end. I call it comics-tastic. I promise I was there, but also thanks to Kristen Baber for, for writing the article on StarWars.com, which I will be quoting, quoting at length in the overview. She lists the uh, she lists the kitchen sink um, who was at the panel, so I'll mm-hmm. listen to it. So Megan Kroos, who, who's writing um, uh, kind of the one of the guides, I think. Claudia Gray, Mark Guggenheim, E.K. Johnston, John Jackson Miller, Greg Pak, Ethan Sachs, Charles Soul for both comics and books. Rosemary Soul, Alyssa Wong, and moderated by Michael Seglane with a fun little cameo by Paolo Villanelli. That was hilarious. Hopefully, I'll be able to get to that. Um, starting with the comics updates. So there's comics heavy. There's comics updates. And bringing in here some of the solicits that, Joel, you mentioned. Uh, just as I was just later, like later in the week, the comic solicits from, from Things Future Storytelling. Um, so Charles Soul mentioned that Dark Droids will be the last crossover event. So there's an implication that we'll get to Return of the Jedi. And then there's a description from the solicits later on. Uh, Sith Rising. Luke Skywalker. This feels like the track group episode. Uh, this is what I do in track group. I read these descriptions. Uh, Luke Skywalker knows his destiny is leading him toward a confrontation with Darth Vader. But Vader is a dark lord of the Sith. And Luke is barely even a Jedi. To have any chance at survival, he must find a way to train himself in ba- the battle techniques he will soon face. He must find another sith and i didn't get the cover there but it's the cover of uh of this uh i guess this this woman presumably a sith holding From the, the flashback it's a flashback. remember remember when luke went inside the kyber red kyber crystal and there was a creepy goth sith lady oh maybe that's I her that. i need to remember that um so there's that uh well, well we can do the rundown i'm just going to go through these um the most news reveal of this panel was as I mentioned before, Ethan Sachs saying the Bounty Hunters will end with double length issue number, maybe a double length, I think, issue number 42 in January. We're at issue number 39 was a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and my re- my immediate reaction, of course, we were all kind of sad. I'll just say my re- immediate reaction to this is that it was fitting. Um, you know, Tonga and Bylert, so were, you know, the two main storylines throughout this comic. Starts with Bylert, switches to Tonga. This is going back to 2020. Um, but then they, they kind of run parallel by their balance. Uh, everything the half cyborg under the thumb of the empire because, uh, supposedly they have uh, have his family, his loved one at gunpoint. Tonga and the Edgehawk crew, they're uh, trying to collect scores, um, bounties and whatnot, and running into Crimson Dawn and, and everything. Um, those two main stories. So Tonga and Byler meet and encounter each other, run into each other again. Like it's, it's a it's a reunion, 
and and they met a few issues ago and so now there it feels like this very solid final act because Byler is now uh, taken in by the scourge um uh, with the 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 spark eternal scourge and so Tonga either has this is spoiler alert for this comic book, by the way. <laughs> Tonga either has to save Violet or kill him, and that really feels like that the two have come together. It feels like this solid final act, and so that I felt was fitting. Um, lastly, Greg Pox Vader he mentioned something interesting called the Schism Imperial. That's the the first time we hear Schism in this panel. We hear it twice <laughs> in this panel. Um, so the panel itself only mentioned that there'll be this factionalism between officers, maybe bureaucrats, or even members. So uh, Greg mentioned uh, maybe bureaucrats or members of Palpatine's court. Did I mention Greg Pak was in this? Uh, yeah, of course I did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, members of Palpatine's court. I'm wondering, is Sly Moore, so in, in, I guess, in War of the Bounty Hunters, she gets demoted for trying to take out Vader. Is she salty because of her demotion? And so she's trying to lead a revolt there. There is, of course, a, a from the solicits, is another description here, uh, the rise of the Schism Imperial is this arc. So in the wake of Dark Droids, after that, it, that's over. So, this, so, I mean, first of all, I'll say, uh, Dark Droids, the ongoing comic, deals with Luke versus when it comes to Vader. This is, of course, Vader himself. Uh, the Vader explores his powers and takes on his most dangerous team of rebel heroes he's ever faced until he meets Luke. Interestingly enough to say he's got his power back, uh, for sure. Meanwhile, the greatest threat to the Emperor's rule is rising from within the Empire itself. Will the Dark Lord of the Sith destroy it or join it? Featuring the comic book debut of Enric Pride. So get your collectors, get your uh, get your things out. First issue, first appearance, etc. Uh, Enric Pride from Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. So yeah, those are the kind of comic updates like we were saying at the top. It seems like this era is coming to an end. Um, feel free to go through, Joel. Uh, you, you seem to, especially with the Schism Imperial uh, and everything with, with Luke and Vader, you were, you were pretty intrigued by. Uh, what are your thoughts on all that? Uh, yes, yeah, so yay, that cis lady, who you don't remember, I do. I vaguely remember. I got to read back. Uh, yeah. That was so intriguing, it's coming back. I was hoping that would come back. Um, so mm -hmm. yay, because uh, she had like the flag that had like the cis turtle from Rise of Skywalker um, emblem on it, although I did wonder... I wonder if there'll be a connection there, or that just let's just use a cool emblem. Um, that bounty hunter's ending. That's that's interesting. You know, they find one of these is actually going to end 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 for good. Mm -hmm. Sad. Uh, me and Doc talked about it on his channel as we kind of talked about the future of Star Wars comics. Um, mm -hmm. but um, you know, Great Pax Vader, another Rise of Skywalker connection with General Pride. First X yep. the Gold, now General Pride. Although is he a, did they give him a rank? No, they said Enric Pride. This is so. Enric. So you know, I don't know what his rank is going to be now, mm. um. But you know that that again that, that that just makes some questions of like, you know, we talk about what's cut off, what's not. Um, interesting. Mm -hmm. General Pride is going to be in this, like he appeared in Shadow of the Sith, and now yeah. he's going to be appearing in this. It's interesting that he's kind of a character they're starting allowing to get um, developed a lot, a little bit in in the you know, in the original trilogy era stories. Um, and they did the Exegol thing, so I wonder if like they're gonna do some more tie-ins to Rise of Skywalker. Are we kind of setting that up a little bit more? Um, 
very interesting. I, I'm I'm very excited because we know Saint Pestage is going to be a well. You know, Slymore isn't around in the aftermath books. Where is she? Where is yeah. Slymore in aftermath? We know where Saint Pestage is. I'm not Saint Pestage. I'm sorry, Masamita. Yeah, Masamita. Get, get I mean, Saint Pestage might be around too. Yeah, I, I have a guess as to what happens with with Sly. So, <laughs> just a, just a guess. Um. So you know, yeah. very interesting there. I wonder. I hope we get some more Rise of Skywalker tie and stuff for Palpatine as he preps for the <laughs> second Death Star. That'll be interesting. But yeah, this this all sounds very interesting, especially mm-hmm. the uh, schism Imperial stuff. I wonder. I hope we see Gallius Rex again because he has not shown yeah. up in anything come since on. Aftermath. It's paper and paper. Like, come on. <laughs> I know that's a, that's a weird. It's like he has been like he's not shown up at all. The like, only no. reason is because he's off doing his very side 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 mission. I know until Aftermath, but he has to be, then he becomes the most important character. Um, but you know that's it's, it'll be interesting, and I'm excited. Yeah, and Pride is an interesting character, uh, as, as kind of a gripping character because I mean. All we hear of him, you know, to Palpatine, I served you in the last war. I'll serve you again. He's in a way, he's your typical imperial, uh, you know, butt kisser <laughs> and foot kisser. But also, he has some gumption to him. He has some go getter to him. Like, and, and by the by the the sequel trilogy, right, he is gruff and grizzled a little bit. Even if you know the the proper imperial exterior, he, he's 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 a tough guy, and. Right. You know, to see what he seemed almost like a wild card. What what side? I mean, he says I served you in the previous age, previous war. So he's definitely going to be loyal to the party line. But where does the party line fall? I mean, that's this description. You uh, will, well, will, will, well, I guess will Vader destroy it or join it? Um, you know, we don't know. I mean, he, Vader's had options to to go against Palpatine lots in multiple comics. You know, basically in all three um, every day. Pretty much every day, but like every every all three of, of the Vader comic runs ha- has been him testing the waters, being being a Sith testing the waters. Uh, of course, we've mentioned him. You know, being I, I've talked a lot about on Tractor Beam, especially about how that's almost you know the the light side using that as some way of bringing him back to the light in a way, uh, in, in this kind of roundabout way that he doesn't accept and he doesn't believe, but. That's the story we get in Return of the Jedi. So I mean, that's where it's heading. Uh, yeah, and oh. to see, you know, to see where and where Palpatine, what Palpatine does with this, because yeah, it, it's the great. It, it's there's a lot of superlatives in this. Surprisingly, even though it isn't quite. I mean, Return of the Jedi has got to be the greatest threat. You know, the the rebels finally have this massed fleet taking on, you know, taking on Endor. Uh, but you know. Dangerous team of rebel heroes, uh, the greatest switch of the Empire's rule. Okay, I mean, the, I, I trust them, I trust the storytellers to earn that, but that's a that's some set of some heady claim there. And back to Pride for just a second for me because I just remembered, you know, what always was interesting about Pride, and this is expounds upon more in the novel than it is the movie. Yeah. Um, Pride kind of got this weird loyalty, well, not weird loyalty, that's the right word. Pride is interesting because it's like he seems like one of the, like, here's the thing about the First Order. They don't know they're Palpatine's puppets. They think they're their own faction. Yeah. Um, with, but Pride is like one of the few officers who's like seems to be knowing going on that there was always more to Snoke yeah. and that whole thing. I wonder if and, he even just knows. 
I mean, he might, he, he, I mean, Pride might be one of the few officers who's known the whole time. Like, yeah, the first door is just the front for Palpatine who's waiting mm-hmm. on Exegol the whole time. Because there's like, there's like a hint that he's been in communication with the Sith Eternal from for a while. Um, yeah. uh, you know, like, because that's the difference like, between a Hux and Pride. Like, Hux doesn't know that he's just Palpatine's pawn. Kylo Ren doesn't know that either until the movie. Yeah. Um, but Pride's sort of like, one of the only officers who's like aware something's going on and might know. So I'm like, maybe this is what shows like why, why Palpatine trusts Pride yeah. to kind of let him in on the secret. Like, hey, I got this clone body and this whole cis cult thing going on over or, there. Or hoping to have one. I, I mean, if anything, maybe this is the link to Gallius, right? Maybe, yeah. Gallius Rex is his whole thing is he's trying to get the contingency going. I mean, first, Operation Cinder. But also part of Operation Cinder is the Eclipse getting out at a dodge into the unknown regions to actually eventually start the First Order. And so I, I'm wondering, yeah, there's some, because Pride, I mean, he ends up in the First Order in Rise of Skywalker. So, yeah, he, he's got some staying power there. I'll be curious to see what, how much, what if anything, like you mentioned, what they're allowed to tell, what, they're, what they want to tell, or if that, is is undisciplined storytelling and they need to actually focus you know on what's happening in this moment uh i mean again it, like we've said it, it's 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 this history it's connected history and so right maybe, maybe or maybe they'll hint some things and we'll fan theorize about it as we do <laughs> as we do as we do uh okay the the biggest thing i, I don't know maybe it's not the biggest thing but the 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 new comics in, the, in this panel and this is what really i'll say it's the biggest thing because this is what really made this panel celebration level for me it was not in the right room for it it was in the kind of downstairs <laughs> underneath in this low ceiling the screen was this dinky whatever <laughs> they could have had in, in the nice the 400s if you've been to the javits center if anyone's been to the javits center you know it was it was in like the 100s or whatever this could have been in the 400s and in the nice comfortable room but other than that really gave us the type of reveals that announcements that uh, they do with celebration, so we're finally an hour and a half in. We're finally getting to these. Um, I'll, I'll jump right in here. Uh, first off, Mace Windu uh, getting a new comic. Quoting quoting Kristen's article, he's getting his own Marvel miniseries in January, just in time to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Star Wars: The Phantom Menace. First of all, I'll put up this cover. I'll do this in reverse from the the order. Okay, <coughs> smoking too long, talking too much. Uh, this cover by uh, Mateus Man. Manhattan. Um, so just in time to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Star Wars The Phantom Menace, the series written by Mark Bernardin uh, was announced along with this cover. That's exciting. Um, the same font, I think, as Star Wars uh, Jedi of the Republic, Mace Windu Jedi of the Republic. He's getting another series uh, set. I think um didn't quite say when it's set, but connected to The Phantom Menace. So Mace Windu Jedi of the Republic that's set just after Attack of the Clones. That's set at the beginning of the Clone Wars. So this is set earlier. What's he up to earlier? Yes, we. I think we have Tales of the Jedi a little bit to hint at some things, I think. See Tales of the Jedi? Um, is that... Uh, but yeah, so so yeah, that's Mace Windu comic. Um, getting, you know, my, my prequelism, getting my feel here. Uh, yes, Ethan Sachs' Mount Andrews is done, coming to a close, along with, I should say, everything all the comics as we know it are coming to a close and that's kind of the point anyways we're not ethan Sachs fans um Francis francis you uh, has this cover 
of Django Fett. Uh, sticking with Bounty Hunters, quoting, quoting the article, sticking with Bounty Hunting with Star Wars, Django Fett. Uh, the writer will helm the Marvel miniseries, and that debuts in March. So, I mean, and I think in Bounty Hunters, there was a flashback to Django connecting to the Scourge, I believe, and the Sparky Journal. And so here, yeah, we're getting getting more Django. Uh, you know, maybe this is sort of, maybe this might be the first instance of a, of a legend story being brought into canon. We don't really have the canon story of, of why he's picked, I don't think. Maybe this this has something to do with it. I know there was the um, Chris and I in our recap of this uh, on the on the, the network on the channel brought up the insider short story with um, uh, the the shapeshifter. What's her name? Uh, and was L? Yeah, there's an insider short story with Sam, Zam and and Django. Zam. That's interesting. That's a really cool cover. This looks like a Virgin variant to me. Um, so. I'm excited for that. Uh, I'm always for, oh, then for the, the OG, the OG clone. There we go. Um, and then uh, Dark Horse Hyperspace Stories. So these covers by Michael Cho. Here we go. Uh, 12 issue run. So the 12 issue run of Hyperspace Stories that ends in December. And so it's transitioning to all ages original graphic novels. And Qui Gon Jinn was written by George Mann, illustrated by Andrea Muti. And Obi-Wan, written by Cecil Castellucci, who's written the uh, the hyperspace story, most of the hyperspace stories. Not all of them, but uh, by Lucas Morangon. Uh, the Qui-Gon comes out in January. I'm not too sure when the Obi-Wan releases, but maybe around the same time. Uh, yeah, so ch- check out our, our recap, Chris, and my immediate recap of this. I'm intrigued, just given when these are set. Here we have, I mean, Qui-Gon is being Qui-Gon. He's, he's that looks like Master Qui Gon to me. That looks like Master Obi Wan. I would have thought you have Qui Gon, you have Padawan Obi Wan, but no, he, he looks older there. Maybe even in the desert in Tatooine. So that might be again another bringing in the John Jackson Miller era with Kenobi. I don't know. Chris was mentioning, um, and I, I wonder about this. I don't know about this, but we were talking about this on on the the recap too. Uh, so Marvel is still going to do the single issues. Dark Horse, if they're going to maybe focus on original graphic novels and just standalone things. So Kevin Scott, this is, was in, they talked about this in the panel. We talked about this on Tractor Beam because we already read it. Uh, Tales from the Death Star, Kevin Scott's Tales from the Death Star. It's the length of an oversized single issue. It's just a one shot from, from Disney publishing actually. But I wonder if for the all ages, at least, especially with Dark Horse, they're going to, uh, be doing these original graphic novels because people also like to, and in, an increasing number of people who maybe want to get into comics have trouble with the, the month by month releases. And so they want one sit down story, you know, the, the uh, edge of balance precedent, uh, the, the end of phase two, however, like phase two, I was able to read in what read in one setting. That's a manga. These are probably be able to read in one or two sittings, but uh bit longer stories so for now that those are these three we'll get to the the last announcement in a minute but joel for now anything any of these strike you you want me to bring up any of these covers um i'm glad to see Django fett getting his due um that's gonna be nice um yeah i don't really have much to say about this like that makes me do that's cool um but Django, that's nice to see another Django fett one you know he hasn't we haven't done anything with him in a while so that's nice um yeah, sorry, that was just, that's kind of not, not to say on this particular that's part. That's all right. 
Uh, again, and to me, proof in the pudding that uh, there's you know there's no uh, they're not going to have any kind of long form thing. The last thing there, the last fun announcement, and then I'll get to the, the big one for you, Joel. Uh, Charles Soul. This is the one for me. <laughs> Charles Soul's writing a legal drama. Finally, it's gonna be a comic book. Um, he he has he is still technically a lawyer. He's still in the New York bar. Uh, he's not practicing because he's doing all this Star Wars stuff and all these other comics. But uh, finally, getting you know, I'm all I'm all for senator, space wizards and senators, and senators have, have also have lawyers. And I'm wondering if that's connected to the Schism Imperial or if it's set in another era. I don't know. Um, just because the Schism Imperial, the Imperial, the Empire rather is the main power, the main legal constitutional power in the galaxy. So. We'll see. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that one either. Mm, I feel like they would have said something if it was said during Schism Imperial. Yeah. No, so. he just, he, he's being Charles. He's being being coy. Uh, okay, the one we want to maybe take a bit, we can take a little more time on. Here we go. Um, Grand Admiral Thrawn returns in Thrawn Alliances. Newest, this is again quoting the article. Newest Marvel adaptation written by Thrawn creator and author of the novel of the same name, Timothy Zahn. And Jody Hauser, who of course, did the, the first Thrawn adaptation. And that debuts in January. This stunning cover by Rod Rice. Joel, go for it. <laughs> Hooray! I'm excited. I really love the original Jody Hauser Thrawn adaptation for the 2017 novel. So I'm glad to see that they're going to be doing this again with alliances as well. Um, so a few interesting things to point out. Um, Tim Zahn is going to be co-writing this. It's not just going to be Jody Hauser going solo. That's interesting. I wonder if Tim Zahn's going to like make a few changes or even expand it upon things since he gets to do the comic as well. Um, also, uh, first introduction: Will we see the Grisk in in images? Will we see what a Grisk actually looks like? That will be that'll be something. That's what everyone's talking about. Like, are we going to see the Grisk in this comic? Um, but yeah, you know, I really liked again. I was like the original adaptation, and I'm excited to see how this one adapts into a comic as well. Yeah, Jody did a fantastic job with that one. Uh, and in case anyone's wondering, yes, Chris and I will be doing this one for Tractor Beam. Uh, we haven't been doing the Mandalorian adaptation. We haven't been doing the Kenobi adaptation. We'll be doing this one because going from written prose to comic, it adds this whole new dimension. And and Jody Hauser and um, the artist. Uh, I don't didn't say who the artist is in the internal art, but this is uh, Rod Rice doing the cover at least. Yeah, doing the the thing. This is what I was getting at before. Is so timely. Uh, you know, given we have this on screen thing of, of Thrawn knowing who Anakin is, seeing Anakin in the Clone Wars era. You know, seeing Hayden in the Clone Wars era armor. We're gonna see Hayden. Probably gonna be Hayden. It's probably not gonna be. Uh, I mean, who knows what, but uh, it's probably, yeah, be closer maybe to Hayden than to, uh, to Clone, say, Wars. The Clone Wars animated style um, in the Clone Wars armor. And, you know, that, that it's, it's so timely. Uh, it's great. And yeah, you're, that's a great point. Is, is Zong going to be able to add a few more wrinkles? Uh, probably not. I mean, he seems fairly protective of his work. I'm curious to see how, Zahn and Hauser relate together. The Rami, the original Thrawn trilogy comic adaptations. I don't know if, how what Zahn's involvement with those were, 
Uh, he probably was sure. He probably oversaw them. I'm wondering what the relationship here is because I don't think he does comics very much. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, the, the, so that was that's interesting. Uh, yeah, but you can, definitely really excited, looking forward to this. Uh, yeah, to, to revisit. It'll be a good way to revisit the story too. It's timely. It's synergy. I don't know which came first, chicken or egg. Uh, if there was a note from from the screen side saying, "Hey, maybe uh, maybe do something with this. Are you going to do something with this? You know, at work, I get an email from the CEO saying, "Are, are you guys going to do something with this?" And then we we decide to run with it. Um, maybe maybe something similar happened here. Well, this is good timing. I'll say that very yeah. good timing. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. who knows? You know, I'm. But yeah, I'm excited to see this again. I mean, yeah, and even seeing you know Padme and Batu again. Uh, hopefully, we got to. I mean, there, there's key plot points that happen there, right? Um, mm -hmm. Seeing that Kratosis mine and seeing what that looks like in the factory, and and this is this is probably. I'm trying to think. Is, was this my favorite of the six? I really liked the the first Ascendancy novel. Mine is and the, the first book, 2017 novel. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, this one, this one's in my era. This was this is in the Clone Wars prequel era, so. It's also in the original era. Too, it is, yeah, it's both. I'm more excited for the Clone Wars stuff, obviously, but yeah, um, the It Is He line. I did a whole For Christ the Canican episode on the It Is He, and now Thrawn knows. Thrawn knows that uh, Anakin's Vader. He figures it out. And that, and, and that's another thing with these, these comics, is folks who haven't read the novel, maybe, uh, you know, you know, first of all, for those who have, clearly there's some really memorable moments in it. Those who haven't are going to encounter the story all on anew, afresh, and that's exciting too because it is, yeah, such a fantastic little tidbits. Maybe again, people watching the the streaming series show, oh look, a new comic on the shelves. You know, funny how that works. Marvel does that all the time. Uh, Star Wars is doing that too. Uh, I don't, do you have any any more thoughts on this one? No, I'm just excited. And again, will we see a Grisk? What a Grisk looks like. Yeah. Oh, and only a few months away. You know, it's, it's October. This debuts in January, January 2024. It seems to be. I think we're going to look back on that this moment. I mean, High Republic Phase Three starts next week. Uh, it's kind of already started, but in, in two in a few weeks, we'll get there in a minute, in a little bit. But yeah, January 2024. It seems to be we're going to look back just like 2020, just like 2015. It seems to be this is kind of the even as things come to an end in 2024, also come some some of these beginnings. These are obviously short runs, but yeah, is it the end of an era or is it the beginning of something new? Kind of alighted. We'll see. Okay, uh, there were again in 10 years to quote. Yeah, we'll ask you 10 That's how history works. When does the High Republic end? When does it start? We don't know. Um, kind of quickly, okay, we spent a lot of time on comics. A bit more on John Jackson Miller. and So there were books. John Jackson Miller was on. Oh, I got to take that off. Um, there we go. Uh, John Jackson Miller was on the panel. He said some more interesting things. So we talked when they first announced, when this novel, The Living Force, was first announced. Um, said some interesting things. Uh, then we talked about it then. He said, uh, he added a few tidbits. So this is set a few years before The Phantom Menace, um, this novel. This seemed to, seemed to be the meatiest bit in the book side. There were, yeah, there wasn't really much except for this. Because, I mean, this is the one we know is coming out. Um, yeah, there, there was a bit about um, Crimson Climb, which did come out, and I did get a copy of that. 
uh, E.K. Johnson was able to talk about that. But this one, yeah, um, John Jackson Miller on the Living Force, things that stood out to me. So it's set uh, two years before the Phantom Menace, which you know brings it closer. Uh, I'll, I'll get to well, well, the first thing that comes to mind is you know then yes, there was the relationship with the Phantom Menace, but also what's the relationship yep. with uh, with Claudia Gray's Master and Apprentice, uh, which is set a few years before this. Are there going to be connections there? Uh, what's the relationship between Jody Hauser's Age of Republic one shot? And the reason I ask that is. This is the second use of the word schism. And I don't know if it's as accurate of a use of the term, but really says Qui-Gon goes in front of the council and he's challenging the council to connect with the wider galaxy. You know, they're contemplating how many uh, angels Diego can dance on the head of a pin and mi- the mysteries of the force and planning for the future and trying to get sense the, 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 the eons and the, the great flow of the force and, the cosmic force and we want to talk about a concept that we brought it bringing in from legends you know canon hasn't done as much with the living versus cosmic distinction the living and cosmic relation uh qui-gon we i think miller said in the panel uh the first thing we hear from him in the phantom menace be mindful of the living force and i think james lucino did a lot of work uh detailing that in one of the novels again that's lore backstory it's ideas big ideas but the story a point here is qui-gon is challenging the council to connect with the wider galaxy rather than contemplating the mysteries of the force or planning the future and miller talked about how that long-range view leads them to miss some pretty important things happening like the disillusion with the the people in the galaxy might starting to have with the jedi like the fact that the Chancellor is a Sith Lord, by the way. <laughs> and so, um, say, well, you know, I mean, sure, sorry. The senator from Naboo, a powerful a senator Lord. from Naboo, is the Sith Lord, uh, up and coming, very powerful, you know, leader of, leader of the legislative branch, kindly Uncle Sheev. Um, the, the Sith threat is right in front of their noses. They think to miss that. Uh, he, he mentioned some, and, and so he's able, as we know, he's able to, Qui Gon's able to convince uh, the council to go on a road trip, go to actually go on a mission trip to Mexico, which may be problematic too. There's probably things about mission trips to Mexico that are quite problematic, but the idea of getting out in the galaxy and getting to in touch with people, the ordinary people again. Um, Miller, he mentions something, this is interesting. This is another raises the question of relationships with other other material here uh which is how they're 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 council masters who are maybe problematically or not nostalgic for the good old days of the high republic there's got to be references there's got to be influence from yeah what they remember and that's the thing about nostalgia as we know with star wars fandom it it colors things it's uh, it says there's this this glow from childhood, this glow from the past, these happy memories. I have nostalgia from New York Comic Con, even though mm-hmm. you know, and, and of, of of Manhattan, even though I know there's some shady, problematic parts to it as well. Uh, good luck actually finding an apartment there. <laughs> you know, um, good old days of the High Republic, and, and so I think it was Chris or you, Joel, saying that this is almost like an epilogue to the High Republic. This is definitely going to be. We I, we talked about uh, you know, a book kind of set in the High Republic era, 
it's not in the High Republic here. It's in the prequels. It's a, it is the Late Republic by definition. But now that we have this publishing initiative, it's set then, and so uh, it, it or it's set with these characters who can refer back and say, maybe even start to contemplate how did we get from there? How you know, Oppo, Rinsisus, and Yoda, and then how did we get from there? Oh, remember, remember Jorah Mali. Remember when she was on the council. And I, I would love to, this is what I'd love to have a reference to. And she was on the council and we were debating whether or not to go and, and join this battle against the Nile. And that she was, she argued for it so strongly and was so certain and had such a deep connection to the force. She was so certain it was the right move. She ends up dying in the battle, but we end up w winning the day and we end up, you know, hunkering down in the temple but we end up defeating the nile anyway it's fine turns out okay um yeah to say you know okay we can this this whole hunkering down away from the galaxy was the good call was the right call uh or, or not i don't know what that nostalgia looks like but um, i mean i've always wondered if they reverse the hunkering down from the galaxy like i still feel like it's too early to hunker down from the galaxy just yet you got 200 years to go before phantom menace i feel like they so, gotta reverse it a little bit as well no i'm talking about this is two years oh i mean yeah i mean like oh i i, I got confused with the higher public stuff, well no i mean well i think that, that i mean that's my my whole thing is at the end of phase one right eye of the storm this general retreat with the nameless and, and Markian and the Nile, they're so bit beaten back. They're so bitten, the Jedi, mm -hmm. that they call this general retreat into the temple. Come back to Coruscant. You know, come save your skin. And, and that's the beginning of the end. And so. See, and we, I just don't agree with that because it's, okay. it's too early. It's too early for that. You got 200 years to go. If that doing it now, the Jedi Possibly. have fallen. <laughs> I feel like they need to reverse it at least a little bit, but maybe like. Okay. be more tepid or i don't know but i feel like you can't just hunker down i mean it maybe it's not when it finishes we'll see I mean, when it finishes right well maybe i mean we but, know people I'm, I'm guessing with in the acolytes someone like Vern is is fighting against that still i'm guessing Keeve fights against that but we know that's what's happened and that my point being that's the beginning of it at least and then they realize at the end that's where they are and this is so the schism with qui-gon not the schism. I don't. I don't like the word schism there. The the tension with Qui Gon we, we see in the Martez sisters arc, right? Uh, that tension. But anyway, True. Sorry, I just don't on. want it to happen so fast because again, you have two hundred years before Phantom yeah. Menace really hits. Like yeah. if they just retreated like that, then the Jedi should have followed a long time ago. I feel like well, they would have been. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, we'll see if this book addresses that. Uh, we'll see how Phase Three addresses that. But it's, I mean, that brings up the question. Yeah, what is the relationship between this novel and the High Republic? Um, finally, it's this is going to be the first book we can really ask that, I think. Maybe. Yeah. I feel like they wouldn't want to give away their hand with Phase 3 just coming out. Um, True, but I mean, you know, not, not in so much detail, but no, I mean, again, we, but we do know. I mean, we do know that, I mean, I think the whole point of High Republic is to show how the Jedi went from let's go build a, a starlight beacon, let's have these temples and outposts all over the galaxy. Let's actually be be there and present with people where they are. And to 
no, we're going to just hold ourselves up in the temple and contemplate the mysteries of the force and have to have a Qui-Gon to come and yank us out again. And, and a Clone War to sort of yank us out, but it's an example of us being hunkered in. Um, True, but I still feel like you, they need to reverse that at the end of Phase 3. Because, again, it's, we still have 200 years to go. It's possible. We'll see. It um, feels too early for that. Historically, you know? again, but I I mean, we can go back and forth with this. I think maybe I'll, I'll to, to, to keep on uh, <laughs> fencing myself in here. The impetus for it. I can see that, for sure. Right. Um. Also, I have exactly an example of kind of something like this. You yeah. know, Shadows of the Sith, which dealt with um, Ochi as one of the main characters, yeah. that had a lot of references to the comics, and yeah. I don't think the Kira stuff would end with over just yet, but, you know, Ochi kind of mentions, yeah, I served Lady Kira once, and I'm back working for Palpatine, so yeah. uh, that, that definitely was sort of an example for sure. I mean, you know, other authors are totally cool with taking other people's, not referencing yeah. other people's things for the most part. True. Well, I, I mean, Miller himself, he said that this is from the horse's mouth here, that there there's some masters who are nostalgic for the higher public. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. It just, it's very curious as to what that'll look like. It may not have as big of a story beat. It may be world building. It may be lore backstory. Remember um, when we used to wear gold robes? That was yeah. cool. That was, <laughs> that was cool back then. We got gold robes and we had this gleaming st station that got destroyed. <laughs> um one pug. last bit of news then um uh for books just and then we'll get to actually some higher, actual higher book stuff uh very quickly return of the jedi there's gonna be a visual guide and uh so that'll be neat um i don't quite know i mean just the visual not so much like the cross sections or the um uh in images i forget what it's called uh have them down there they're down there somewhere also star wars dad jokes the new book of Star Wars dad jokes. So get that for for the 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 funny person in your life. <laughs> there you go. Yay. All right, very quickly. Uh, or before, do you have any any last thoughts on on all that stuff? Um. Well, just give a little plug that if you go to the Jedi Council forums, John Jackson Miller is on there yes. in his section talking to people. Mm -hmm. Maybe he'll get, answer your question if you or if you ask nicely. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll read the book in April as well. Nice. <laughs> there we go. Uh, okay, last but definitely not least, uh, there was High Republic, a bit of High Republic stuff uh, in this. Uh, not so much. Obviously, we've talked plenty about High Republic because it's on my mind all the time. It's my favorite thing. Um, so, but yeah, there's going to be so the character encyclopedia that I believe was announced at Celebration. Uh, there was a bit more from that mentioning that phases one, it's going to be mostly phases one and two. There are going to be spoilers for phase three. So uh, proceed at your own risk. I'm hoping I'm going to probably hold out for an updated version um, of, of it when it's done. Unless, you know, I mean, it has been helpful. Like Wikipedia has been helpful, but so has this book been helpful for the authors uh, referring, you know, because like obviously they get, can get advanced copies and whatever. Um, so that's, I believe what Megan Krause was working on. Uh, so that, that'll be, that'll be neat. Uh, I don't know, Joel, are you going to get this book? Now we're going to hold out for an updated version, including phase three. Uh, I don't know. It depends. I, just, I only get certain of the visual guides these days. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, I really want that one that covers a lot of Bad Batch, Rogue, uh, Andor, and Kenobi. Um, oh, yeah. That was cool. Yeah. Uh, but uh, maybe I will. I, I want to get a little bit more of those High Republic essential guides just to get mm -hmm. a look at them. Yeah. Um, like, it's going to be fun. 
we go. Uh, Higher Republic. So the the there was that lightsaber book. Just generally, Higher Republic is getting its own lightsaber book. Uh, that I'm probably gonna snag. And I, I think yeah, I forget it has uh, Porter's and Avar's lightsaber on the cover there. Because I mean that's another fun little thing about the Higher Republic is all these amazing lightsaber designs are so different, so neat, including still in Geos. Mm-hmm. And finally, I, I I teased this. Finally, the first bit bit of adult merch from High Republic, the the Disney lightsabers, Stellantis lightsaber. I'm just kind of surprised they didn't do Avars or Elzars. That seem those seem more iconic High Republic because this has more of a black hilt uh, design, but it's the cross sabers, and so uh, definitely very distinctly High Republic. Finally, Disney just take all my money. I spent a bunch of it in New York, but they call my money. Um, definitely excited, finally. Because the only merch we've gotten so far is is Young Jedi Adventures, and that's for kids. And that's fun. That's cute. I can give those to my nieces. Um, but this is actually finally finally something at all. Hopefully, they that'll sell like hotcakes. Hasbro, pay attention. Uh, make, make some, give me some Black Series. Finally. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, so Charles and Rosemary Soul uh, were on this panel. Uh, Rosemary, by the way, yeah, she was at, also at the signing. Definitely very impressed with, with the way she she handled herself in the in the context. This was her first con. She uh, yeah, so they their their kids book Jedi Brave in every way that was on sale there. It's a cute little book. I got a copy for myself and for my nieces. Um, got both signed. Yeah, I read it. It deals with these three little stories about being being afraid and overcoming fear and it, it's it's kind of what you would expect but it, it is very cute and sweet and uh, doesn't doesn't give necessarily pat answers it gives uh gives inspiring answers uh rosemary talked about so there's a fun little banter that may or may not have been too accurate talked about how um there's a bit of a division of labor right she she's a bit younger she's going to college next year but she remembers childhood a bit more, a little more than her dad does. Mm-hmm. So she was able to ingest that side of things. Um, and then Charles was able to say, okay, this is the High Republic story, Star Wars aspect of it. Obviously storytelling, uh, the storytelling dynamic. And so, yeah, uh, definitely yeah, pick that one up. If you see it, pick it up for, for the kids in your life. Uh, I definitely recommend it. It's, it's very sweet and very inspiring as well. Um, yeah and yeah just i i asked her at the signing you know you got gotten the writing bug to write something new something more and she said yeah sure maybe we'll see i also went asked charles again if canada was okay in undiscovered country and he, he said it's fine <laughs> um the the panel just moving on the usual mentions of kevin scott's marvel comic his image of key finding lorna d again nice. uh daniel jose older's dark horse adventures comic uh mentioned just the mentions of that I got to show this. One thing I got to show is this incredible cover of number three by Harvey Tullibau. That let's just look at that is pretty. The the lighting in that is already spectacular. Beautiful. Um, Beautiful. Different characters already. I believe there are new characters in in phase three from that are new from phase, we haven't didn't meet in phase one. Uh, so that's also exciting. Um, and so yeah, uh, that one. So Kevin's comic comes out early November. So just in, in two weeks, Hyrule Republic Adventures, number one. This is number three. Number one starts in December. Last but not least, um, Charles Soule, again, giving him the last word here. Uh, the fourth and final issue uh, of Shadows of Starlight. So Shadows of Starlight, 
uh, into year after year of the fall of Starlight Beacon from the fall of Star sorry goes from the fall of Starlight Beacon that one year in each issue from the perspective of different characters and the last character is going to be this guy Markian and so uh, giving him kind of the final the final word in this intro kickoff um, comic that bridges phases one and three uh yeah uh that's that's the last bit of news so yeah uh we got all the way through joel any anything that stand out to you got any thoughts on high republic at new york comic-con wasn't that much as as last year but anything stand out to you no not really beautiful cover though um but yeah again like i love the skull helmet there like that's that's freaky looking it's cool um but no i'm just Kind of curious to see where phase three starts and obviously of course where phase three ends. What is mm -hmm. what is the note we end our yeah. our high republic story with? Like what what where, where are we going? What what are we doing? And then obviously, you know, twenty twenty-four, you're talking about high republic and stuff to come. I mean, if all goes according to plan, uh the biggest high republic thing might be coming next year. And we're all excited for that on the show for certain. Yeah. Um the most but, popular Harrowholic thing, I'd say. <laughs> that too. But um, I mean, I'm excited for it the most, yeah. um, for sure. Um, yes. But yeah. Writers or, or, or actors get a, get a fair deal. Yeah, hopefully. Come on, yeah. From production companies, do do the right thing. Yes. Um, so we can talk about it. Um, but, you know, yeah. So that's kind of it. I mean, they didn't really mention much. So phase three starts next week. Yep. Okay. Uh, and I mean, Shadow of Starlight. Is already underway. But yeah, phase three. Yes, yeah, early November, which is coming. We're end of we're end of October. We're, we're in spooky season. I will say, looking at this cover, it brings to mind how both phases one and two adventures, and also the young reader books. Mm -hmm. The young readers not so not as much to the same extent, but these adventures comics, mm -hmm. they don't feel like adventures comics. They don't feel like like kids comics. They've never I've never felt written down to in these. They've always been just as exciting as the Marvel adult ones um they dispense with the, the framing device they just give us a story in some other things in, in some of the standalone one um some other things they do uh you do have the framing of the device but the one that i forget what it's called the uh become, she was the way seeker she's the independent not even a jedi she links up with uh the jedi on valo that one did have the framing device this one uh won't probably and and again the quality of this art shows they really care show the care and investment i think that's ram jamaram in there at the bottom there that's exciting and then this oh, weird nice. this blade what's going on there yeah uh harvey Tellabaugh. so yeah uh that that's it that's that's star wars at your comic-con <laughs> maybe under two hours uh do you have any kind of overall thoughts and feels uh on uh on just star wars at new york comic-con overall publishing panel generally etc yeah i think the comic side certainly was the most intriguing thing to come out of it this year everything else kind of felt like mm -hmm. just consolidating what we've already kind of known with like maybe a few little examples here and there of like some new tidbits mm -hmm. you know it wasn't anything massive like i said i think i'm going to make you know kind of go back to what i we started with the conversation at the beginning I feel like we're in kind of a transition phase. Yep. Transition to what? I have no idea. I mean, I guess 
if you if we believe what we if we hope you know it's that Raiden Junior Day order film for starters. But um, whatever that may be, certainly transitioning to something new. I don't know what, but it certainly feels that way. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm excited for the things to come. So yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, these things have another point. These things have an expiry date, right? We we kept thinking when is when are we getting to Return of the Jedi? When are we getting to Return of the Jedi in the comics? And then, I mean, along comes Dark Droids to really give this really refreshing boost uh, for extending the story and really earned its place. I keep mm-hmm. saying that because it, it keeps being true uh, every week. It's new, really good. Yeah, new Dark Droids tie-in or whatever comes out. This, yeah, it's already it's already the best crossover. Save the best for last. But yeah, these things. I mean, uh, yeah, have an expiry date. High Republic, they're extending it in terms of timeline. Frankly, actually, we're just in our real world timeline, we're about halfway through, uh, which is odd to think. But if we think we started 2021, <coughs> 2023, 2025, yeah, we're a bit over halfway through, but yeah, they're that's because they're going to spread it out, and that's going to probably that's going to also relieve the fatigue a bit of it, I believe. So, yeah, definitely this transition. I'd be good again with them taking a taking a break, mm-hmm. uh, not not a break from stories itself, but a break from a big publishing thing. And then definitely, there's a certain convention happening in in a, in a certain country called Japan, uh, near Tokyo, where what, they can announce what the next thing is. Would from a timeline perspective, all the High Republic Phase Three book be written by now? What would I don't know the, if like, they're all written. I don't know. Okay. I'm just um, curious, like from a production standpoint, or like even though you know, or from a production standpoint, are they wrapping up? Are they like <laughs> through the High Republic office? Like, it's, oh well, done. They might the be. Way. That's a good question to ask. We could probably okay. ask that. They could probably Put tell a- us that. I wonder if they're they're giving so they're giving that longer time. I wonder if they're actually going to gauge reaction to things to see how. I mean, obviously there is a big lead up time, but there's such a long lead up time for this. Oh so, yeah, I wonder. They're gonna say, okay, this is coming out. This is coming out. Um, how we end it depends on, yeah, how people respond. You know, I mean, something like uh, like Bury and people responding, having a kind of mixed response to, is he alive? Is he not? And then they release it in a in a Star Wars Day a YouTube thing and uh, in a short story. You know. The different, I mean, that's the thing with higher hope, but with phase three, especially, is they've been able to learn from the mistakes, if you will, the missteps a little bit. There have been some, I love it to pieces, but there have been some things that you know didn't quite work out, which is why I know they're going to knock it out of the park for the next publishing initiative. But this one, yeah, uh, phase three, it may be the best. Yet. I mean, phase two, I love phase two, phase three might be the best yet. So, oh. yeah, we'll see. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, I'm gonna actually, I'll tweet at Michael Siglain and see if he can give us an answer to that. Sure, use the Ion Cannon. Uh, yeah, I will. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I want to yeah. just kind of give um, a little historical um, paper cannon thing. Very quickly, because we're, oh, yeah. we're running out of time. <laughs> yeah. You know, New Jedi Order, which was the last 19 book, book initiative, mm-hmm. that was from 99 to 2005. Yeah. And then after that, they kind of just went back to doing trilogies and stuff yeah. after that. So that might be, I love, and obviously Higher Public was way bigger than even New Jedi Order. So yeah. 
that might be just kind of where they go next. But yeah, it's time to take a little break. No, no, no more big book initiative, at least for a while. There's some differences, historical yeah. context and whatnot, but that's certainly something. Yeah. I don't, I mean, that's a, that can, that would discourage me because basically it means they're stopping. I don't know. I could see them taking a good three, four year break and then doing something new because it is so popular. It's so beloved. It just works so well. So that's I true. Um, I mean, also problem with new Jedi order. It is where they drop a moon on Chewie. So it goes into some wonky directions. Whereas, uh, that's I think that stuff's kind of overrated. Uh, it's like yeah. uh, a lot of people love new Jedi order. It's oh, like, sure. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's fair. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's a good, good thing to keep in mind. Again, I don't think this is a one-off, but um, I would hope yeah, that. they're going to have to, to take it easy for a little bit because uh, we are we're i mean there's fatigue again that, that's built into this but anyway speaking of fatigue it's 10 30 p.m yes. <laughs> eastern time uh that's a good place to wrap it up thanks for joining us everyone um let us know what you thought of anything new york comic-con if you were at new york comic-con if you were on youtube with me on new york comic-con <laughs> let us know what you think in the descriptions of course check out videos with chris and anna right here on this channel check out um last week's iron cannon check your tractor beam uh right here on this channel on these socials as well um yeah the uh yeah, there we go uh i got a got a comic here comment here yeah more details in the books and the movies i mean that's a great insight also great uh great image of, of young ahsoka there good job um yeah it, there, there there's i mean storytelling in, in these books and comics i've gone out of a loop on a limb and said you know charles soul for me is as gifted of a storyteller as Dave Filoni and J John Favreau. I mean, come on. And Claudia Gray is as gifted of a storyteller. Yeah, you have more time. You have more room to put these details in. Um, so, yeah, that's that's it. These comment sections aren't going anywhere. Uh, let us know what you thought. Follow us on, uh, let's get this banner back everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, at Iron Cannon Pod, E Y E O N C A N O N P O D. At the SWU Underworld Facebook, uh, Joel, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me, of course, at GID2021 again, GID2021 on Twitter. Uh, follow us at the Ion Can Pod, and of course, mainly you can find me on the Star Wars Underworld Discord where we have movie and game nights every other Friday. This Friday, we'll be watching the Phineas and Ferb Star Wars special. Um, so be there and enjoy. And sometimes we have a uh, little gatherings on Thursdays. Yes, yes, check that out. I'm in there a little bit. Uh, I might join the depending on when I when I'm free, join the the group chat there. It's been fun, it's been fun to chat about things we can't chat about on YouTube because we want to make sure that the the actors have their leverage. But it's it's a closed off area, so it digitally closed off. So we're we're free to chat more about those things. But yeah, it's been fun. Um, been great. Again, as always, kudos to you and Ben for really keeping this going because that it, that's the thing. It takes that commitment, that time really keep it going and you guys are really in there a lot so mm -hmm. developing a good group of people in there uh next week i'm not quite sure what we're doing next week uh i don't think we've sorted that out quite yet um mm -hmm. but we will we'll find we'll think of something we'll figure it out uh we'll think of something. yeah fun times anyways but until then uh this has been the iron cannon podcast let's do let's let's blow this thing and head home